roughly every one of the top 40 records being played on every radio station in the United States is a communication to the children to take a trip, to cop out, to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own we don't want you to smoke genetically modified ganja. We want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana. Some call it sensimedia. Some call it lamb's bread. And some people call it ganja. Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. This time for real. And I am here in a new studio. Very close to my house. Really close. It's convenient. And <laughs> so, like I said, last week was the last one at Sohi. Here we are at the new spot. Got some old artwork that everybody might recognize if you've been to my original spot. So I'll get to break that out, which is nice. And in the studio, I have Hope and Ryan from C4 in uh, Arizona. And they're going to be talking to us about some legislative stuff and all sorts of, I mean, it seems like they got their fingers in a few different pies, so. Um, and then I got Shane here with me, Mr. Sonny Chiba himself, who actually put this together. Thank you very much for it. And you guys are all coming for the uh, Indo, is it? Canagro. Oh, it's Canagro. I say, can never keep up. Right. Canagro, which is tomorrow and Sunday. Is it B2B or is it a public? Uh, no, it's, it's public. It's public. It's public. Mm-hmm. Both days? Yeah, both days are oh, public. Okay, cool. So that is here at the same place, Denver Mart, or something else? It's at uh, the Crown Plaza. Oh, it's at the Crown Plaza. This is totally different. Totally different new show then, I guess. Yep. Wow. All the way around. All the way around. And uh, MTI's got it all under control now. We had a little a little mixer, mixer mix-up, a little mixed up. Uh, so welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. We're excited to be here. Mm-hmm. So... Right away, of course, when everybody, any time he hears the word NASA, they go nuts, right? They're like, NASA! My kid was going crazy. I told him somebody from NASA's coming. He's so excited. Do you get do you get that all the time now that you're, like, is that your, on your, because that's your background, I guess. It or, is one of my uh, previous experiences, and if I could still be there, I would still be there. If they didn't have the brain drain, um, at the time I didn't have my PhD. Mm-hmm. I was a biologist, um, finished up with controlled environment at the U of A growing plants in space or working on research to grow plants in space was by far the best job I've ever had. And, and, <laughs> and, and is, that because of, is that because of, uh, <laughs> so what was your background before that? Were you doing biology or was it like, well, you didn't have your PhD, but what was it? You were already yeah. working on it or were you were Plant kinda, sciences, plant controlled science. environment, agriculture. Nice. And yeah. so did you, and, and did you envision this future or was that part of your repertoire or was it just because you were kind of fascinated by the idea of, Growing in space. Actually, the the really interesting thing is I had this epiphany at some point when I I was a bartender for about ten years actually and uh, never went to college outside of school, outside of high school. Never thought I was going to do science and bartending. That's great. And I decided at some point I I don't know maybe I need to do something different. Driving home from the bar one night and I'm working at a local plant nursery, and I had this epiphany and I was like I think I always wanted to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why not maybe I can grow plants in space I don't know why it hit me it was just one of those things driving home late at night stars were out singing in the car and just like I don't know it seemed like a very good idea <laughs> mm, right <laughs> and I 
started at the nursery, well, while at the nursery, they put me into contact with people that were doing hydroponics, yeah, uh, controlled environment agriculture. And so I'm talking with the director, <laughs> Jean Giacomelli, there at, at U of A, and I said, um, having my little interview, and I was like, I want to grow plants in space. <laughs> it's almost like the way that, you know, we take an Uber here and we're like, I, I work in the cannabis industry. And then all of a sudden you stop whispering because people say, yeah, that's a real thing now. Sure. And so he said the same thing to me, that you could do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I did. And it was amazing opportunity. And if they would not have had the brain drain, I loved it because the work was solid it was cutting edge. Um, as a matter of fact, my former boss now um, owns and runs um, BioSlighting. And this is a company that focuses on LED lighting mm-hmm. for plants, not taking you know whatever fixture and figuring out how to do LED that way. They, they start from that. Right. And they were doing LED lighting testing when I started at NASA back in, I guess it was quite a while ago now but (laughs) so your son has the ability to do things in mars or international space station or to go to he's already ready he's like absolutely i mean the to do the south pole they grow plants out there for everybody who's out in the south pole so there's a lot of research to be done but most of it's through academia now not nasa right cool and then uh so ryan you're you're like a director of c4 started i'm the yeah founder and ceo for c4 Great. And um, what was the focus? So where did you, where's your background coming from? So my background prior to getting in the cannabis industry actually came from uh, multi-unit and restaurant management. Um, I was I was doing that, but in the course of doing that in 2006, I suffered a really bad injury in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, having I ended up having a lot of surgeries on my leg, learned how to walk again. Um, and people were all too anxious to prescribe me opiates. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I went down that train and saw what kind of, you know, how it was deleterious to my health and Mm -hmm. found cannabis as medicine, got passionate about it, got fed up with corporate America and and how it was starting to treat people as numbers, not as humans anymore. And uh, wanted to get into something I was passionate about. Um, Met a couple very talented scientists. We talked about, you know, the, uh, the ability and some of the capabilities that we have yet to explore taking some of these people from classical, you know, whether it's pharmaceuticals or it's, um, you know, agriculture, big agricultural, taking some of those people from those classical fields and now applying them to cannabis to see really what we can do, right? So that intrigued me, um, and we ended up opening um, an analytical facility in Mesa, Arizona, where we do potency and safety testing, kind of the standard testing that mm-hmm. many other labs do. You oh, terpenes too? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, absolutely. How many can you guys do? 21. Okay, so yeah, it's moving up. It's right moving up. It was like seven for a while, and then yeah. Okay. Nice. And and honestly, we can do many more. It's just yeah. a matter of getting the standards and, and doing those type of things. Sure. But we opened with the focus on not only doing the analytical testing. We knew that was going to be the bread and butter of what paid our bills. Mm-hmm. But we focused on that we wanted to do research and development. And we wanted to end the standoff, if you will, between cultivators and purists that grow this plant. And I think there was a natural division with some of the, the science entities and the testing laboratories and the regulatory bodies mm-hmm. um, because no one was adding context and no one was answering questions. And um, we wanted to see more of a partnership there. Because honestly, I mean, the, the, the potential for what science and the, the practical abilities and talents of someone like yourself and, and Sonny and 
to see what's going to happen once we put those two things together is ultimately going to be so great for the industry, for the plant, and, and for the patients, which is which is what we're really looking forward to. Yeah, and, and it's, it's really nice to see. I mean, we, we all kind of get like there's a clash always. There's like a butting heads against each other when it, whenever it's, you know, the, the real people who refuse to write things down, refuse to – you know, divulge and get all paranoid, and it's just part of the you know it's part of the culture. It was always you know what kept you going and what kept you uh, you know out of the trouble was questioning everything. You know, what I mean, like the people who were like, "Well, yeah, sure, whatever." They also weren't scientific at yeah. all. So finding we the call comp- that empirical testing, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and the, and to find the combination, and then you know there. But now it's getting really quickly. Uh, I mean, the way I watch the whole industry grow, I'm always like, "Wow, this is." And within five years, you see how much more professional things go, and they're coming like they're crunching even tighter and tighter to that point where yearly you're seeing the improvement. You know, I mean, packaging, the delivery, because in the beginning everybody could get away with you know whatever they can get away with, and then once the bar gets set and keeps going and going, and it's getting really high now. So it's like you, know, you gotta. You and the margins be in. are getting smaller yep. and smaller. And that's yep. incredibly, incredibly evident in the Arizona market, too, because, it's, you know, there's more mature and established markets prior to them, mm-hmm. and it's like they came on and kind of had to pick the best of where they could find from all the people that laid the ground before them right. and have just the, – the, the, the innovation's been very rapid Well, it's there. like we're at the point now where it's a widget, you know, and like, shit, cannabis is a fucking widget. Now. Yeah, we we right. thought it was like, you know, we still look at it as a beautiful – thing and we you know the whole reality is when you handle it properly that's the key to the whole thing i mean it's so obvious it's like you take it you grow it good then you handle it real well and then you present it you know because it's like it's like giving somebody the most delicate fruit possible you know what i mean because it's kind of going and it's changing and people are like you guys are in dry ass place just Mm -hmm. like here but even hotter i mean you guys are in the hottest driest most oh but we got a lot of sun sun is free oh yeah for sure (laughs) for the growing side but then for the for the drying side it must be like to train the because the thing is when people used to get it they'd buy a lot and then it would dry out too much because it'd be too much now they can get it you know hand delivered at the right perfect thing but it's also like it, once it's out the door, it's you know it's all up to you guys because people you know they go into the hot ass car and then they go to so I feel like there's a lot of times, uh, you know when people are pushing out product, uh, the timing is really key and a lot of people that don't have it you can just go to a shop and you can tell they've been sitting on it. It's terrible, or it's super fresh, and you know because they're trying to meet that. And I, I find that more often actually is that, is that people really rush the dry and cure side of it, if anything. And I think it it's a challenge shelf. to do something from an industry standpoint. Um, I mean, to be in the past and have to grow on such a small scale mm-hmm. and a hidden scale for a crop that we know affects the human body more than any other crop that we have ever known about in the history of man, right? So this is why it's so beautiful, and that's why it's important for, for us to be able to do everything we can to help those growers come on a commercial scale. Mm-hmm. And so you can still do a beautiful, delicate, lovely crop on a commercial scale because everyone's got to make a living, and you want to be – you built the business. I didn't build the business. I'm walking into your business. And so how can I help you? be able to still do what you love to do and allow me to be a part of that. And I, I and so when you when we see from a laboratory standpoint a lot of product that comes in 
the best ones, and we shouldn't exist in this state that doesn't require testing. So those that test with us care. Mm-hmm. And we watch those individuals. So it's not, there's no mandatory at all? No, Nothing. it's one of, one of two in wow. a medical state that doesn't require it. So well, we here they don't for medical either, which is really stupid. I'm like, that should, medicine. Yeah, should be the most obvious. Like You can go to a grocery store and get a safer product or feel more confident in that product than you sometimes might feel that you get. But Well, yeah, that's, and, and it's like ass backwards here. You're like, you're like wait a minute. So you're going to take the wreck? They're like, yeah, because it's the public. And I was like, what? So the medical are not public or yeah, something? Yeah, people are actually not sick. People Never mind them. Yeah. Below public. You're not even public. <laughs> you're, just, you're just sick people. You're, you're sick. Darwinism yeah. happening just, over there. Yeah, it's strange. It's like, and, and you know. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, people kind of, if they knew that it was for medical, most people were delivering already higher quality and people complained because the medical was better even though, but it was untested, and then <laughs> the the wreck was crappier, and you know, so. Or as claimed yeah. as uh, higher quality because it's medical, but you know, until you see the certificate well, of analysis and uh, know the grow and know the growers and know and how the many genetics. Other, how many other people are testing there? I, w- I would say in the industry, it, it's caught on significantly that in some form or fashion, I would say 90% of the places test. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that they're testing everything. It doesn't mean that they make that part. Like, if I give you an instant, there, there might be a strain, uh, you know, a strain that they may test in January, mm-hmm. and you'll see that same <laughs> test result in, like, September. Sure. Um, well, you know that's likely not the same harvest and not necessarily the same representative sample. So it's those type of things without having a mandated program in place that they test to what best suits their business, which is great. And yeah. now, but there are people there, and I have to give them a lot of credit, that have now seen the necessity, and, and I think we all can agree, by and large, cannabis is certainly not a dangerous plant without no. question, right? Mm-hmm. But we see it for, more from a standpoint of for the people that are sick or that are immunocompromised, and not to mention just having the right of knowing what it was grown with, what's going into your body, what contaminants may or may not be present. And then second to that, what is the, the another big driver is meeting label claims with the edibles, tinctures, different products that come out. We have found, I mean... I can only call it consumer fraud because, I mean, it, it, it is at that level. Well, they did a test here in Westward um, like quite a while ago, but it was it was pretty uh, scathing in the sense that most places were just n- not even close. And then, like, Incredibles overdid it, of course. And so they were like, you know, hey, well, it was over. You know, at least it was over. And then they were like, it's got to be exact. And it was just like, wow, man, that's putting people to the spot on an edible when you're saying has to be within like 1%. No, that's not, and it's not realistic if you really they, understand what and they, goes they, into I think it. they may have adjusted it after because yeah. it was, it was like a target that was like, wait a minute, you're, you know, if it's 5% over, nope, can't do it. You know what I mean? And it would be better in my point that it would stay in that range. Well, that I would give up making edibles if that was a rule. I mean, the it's you're working with. And then those processors that actually will test the, 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 the beginning of a batch, the middle of a batch, and the end of a batch, and they'll do that on a consistent basis and develop these good protocols, mm-hmm. you can feel confident that you can train and you can probably produce a consistent product. But we are talking about a plant here, okay? Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to this type of agricultural product, we have to understand that if you only want to test an N of one, 
and it's going to be the most beautiful big bud that has the most sure. light and all of that? Or do you want to do a sample size and be able to report a range? And and so I think that's where, you know, people like myself can maybe, and, 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 and C4 and, and other good laboratories around the country can help understand why you would want to do a range and mm-hmm. we, because we don't want to lock ourselves into a single digit value. Sure. And yeah, I tell can. people all the time, it's like, if you're going to do it right, you got to take a bottom, middle, top, yep. mix it all together and yep. get an, an average and then kind of go for that to really get to the point of knowing what you got. Whereas yeah. if you, you know, if you just do a cherry pick and go in there and, and like try to get the high marks when you want to get the high marks. And of course, that's what people are going to tend to do because oh, th- th- that's what's going to help sell, which you know, we, we understand they're, they're making and a business a lot out has of to, it. I mean, I always noticed that, that it was the driveway that kind of really threw everything off if not it, or just made everything like sound better than it was if you're just kind of like wait a minute let me look at this thing but i don't know that makes it a little it's don't a bit, get us started <laughs> <laughs> it gets a little sketchy when you get into that because it, it changes a lot, a lot sketchy especially yeah. the higher you go up i mean kind of, kind of gets into like a certain range where it's like every little micro well you're also help. talking about a, a laboratory industry that had to develop our own methods mm-hmm. right yeah. um and, and and anything from science and academia you know, there are protocols, you have standards, you understand the the way to do it, you can take classes, but there's mm-hmm. nothing like that in the cannabis industry. And our scientists, I mean, ama- brilliant, right? I mean, how do you do a gummy bear? How do you do a, a concentrate? How do you do the flower? How do you do a brown ice cream? I mean, um, lube, right? Yeah. And so everything, a bath bomb. Not together, though. Not, not, not together. <laughs> yeah, no. It depends on which thing. Don't cross the streams on that one, please, because that's, that's a problem. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's <laughs> that goofy. Right. It's, yeah, it's, and, and, and it, it makes it very goofy. challenging. No, yeah. no doubt about it. Well, that's the thing about cannabis. But canna- that's why we love it. Well, that, <laughs> and that is the thing about cannabis in general, which is like, it's cool because you don't really know what's coming around the corner. It's like, could be something total, someone taking it from a totally different angle, and you're going, like, oh, yeah, no one even thought about that. And yeah. it's going to happen because no one, everyone thinks we get to the end of, like, okay, I can't get any more. Cause we, cause, because we got like isolate and distillate, and people have, you know, taken to the extreme as far as, the percentages and but it loses all of its you know every, every once it gets to the top it's like character is gone it's like mm-hmm. it's like a, just you're a pharmaceutical one trick, at that one point. trick yeah. pony at that right. point yeah, yeah yeah exactly you're just kind of like you are what you are and that's what you are and there's no like oh yours is better than mine it's like it's basically how do you, you really know, differentiate it's, when it's it 99.2 or 99.4 you know or okay. is that even what you want yeah exactly <laughs> well yeah and you don't because the reality is as we all know you need you need to kind of come up with a blend that makes sense you can't have a you can't have a, uh, you know, just a pure thing and think that's going to be the best thing in the world because sure. like, oh, that doesn't have any flavor. And, and it's individualized too, right? I mean, everybody's going to be responding different, but yeah, I mean, to, to just have one one of the compounds present, I think, is selling it short, drastically short for what it has to offer. But people are going to figure out like ways, you know, to uh, bring it into the different streams as far as food and other things that people once people calm down a little bit because you can break it down and then once you've taken out this part now we got all this other stuff and you know, or different it, ways of growing like and, tissue culture yeah and so yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that of course <laughs> <laughs> we can get into that um, and like things. well yeah. like for instance uh, like seeding for instance if you, you know, people are doing that and like you see like where it kind of loses like to me that's like really cool but it's also like it's really scary because it's like now we don't even need the fucking thing anymore we just need a ah, it's like a mushroom you know it starts to turn into like okay we can take it to the farther than any of us probably ever thought we would 
but you definitely would like, and I've seen some of that material and I've thought like, okay, well from what it's supposed to be, I guess it's good because like stuff that like we were just talking about where it's like, eh, what are you going to do this? You know, it's like, but it sounds great on fucking paper. You know? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that's kind of the struggle because you have people that are purists been doing this for a really long time, right? And we see this rapid advancement. We see it just like take off like a lightning bolt, right? And then we have to consider just because we can, should we? And are we getting away from what makes it the wonderful plant that it is and provide the healing that it does and what makes all of us as enthusiastic about it as we are? And how do we support those individuals like yourselves who are the ones that brought the industry to and where it's at motives, right? and not be taken out once it finally does become big, hort, big farm and, and that kind of industry? So how do we keep it yeah, yours, I mean, ours, and, and keep it sustainable? What do you think, Shane? What do you think, Shane? We give us, give us. Your, it's give definitely us. a challenging time, you know, and we're moving into the 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 era of you know a lot of people licensing and doing yeah you know proprietary stuff and patenting and you know t- utility patents and plant patents and it's funny too because in the beginning I was like all over the shit and then I kind of like like I got tired of it you know it was like ah. Uh. Not another fucking lunch, dude. I'm so tired of lunches. One more people, conference call and I'm people, gonna freak out, man. It's, it's literally like you were saying, brain drain, and fucking that. We, now mm-hmm. we're doing like we're having that on a constant, and you know, people like him and I, we're like, oh yeah, sure. And we're like, you know, tell people stuff, and then at a certain point, we're like, all right, that guy made like millions, and he doesn't remember my name. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he just fucking like I told him everything, and yeah. I remember that. I remember that conversation. It was like I got. I think I got a pasta with fucking fettuccine thing. So I got a lunch, and he yeah. got to fucking go run away with that idea. You know, and you could see it when they when sometimes like they'd be like, "All right, I gotta go," and they'd be gone, and then you'd be like, "Wow, I never heard from him again." And then find out that down. they they tried and they got so far, and then they got ripped off by some guy. And then be like, "Oh, I could have told you, could have told you that." Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> that what's gonna happen? But but in general, it happens yeah. all the time, and it's like because it's cannabis. You know what I mean? Like it's such an accessible sort of medium for so many people because everybody smoked weed. Mm-hmm. So they were like, I smoked weed, you know, and it's like the, but there was like this whole time period where they didn't smoke weed because <laughs> they just did other stuff and were running around. But now all of a sudden they're, you know, yeah, and there's a lot of guys. Like when I was in Miami, it was funny because everybody was about 70 years old. They were running huge amounts of cocaine back in the day, and they just like every guy that came up to my booth would tell me all this shit, and I'd be like, you get "Really?" Stories. Because they'd be like, <laughs> "They'd be like, you see, right around the corner, I used to bring in so much cocaine." I was like, "Dude, that was like the last guy who just said the same thing." And I was like, "There was just like one after <laughs> another," and they were like, "I got million, I got," and they have all this money, and they don't know what to do with it, and it's just like they're ready to fucking like get into weed now. And I'm like, "No, you guys were like, yeah, all about money then. And now you're still all about money, and you're not gonna." Yeah, you know this, but it's gonna happen. They're gonna get in because their kid and their kid's friend. My kid's friend smokes a lot of weed. Get that kid over here. You know what I mean? I can just there's just so many of these. You see it at the trade shows. You just see like little groups and the one stoner kid and the white haired guy and the you know it's just like that's another one, another one. Well, hopefully they'll underestimate how much actual work is involved, and then um, that's that's like the number one thing I tell people. I'm like, you know, the work. They don't even know if they only knew, and. you know, it's also the the friend situation, and we're still in that kind of phase where it's like, but my friend said to just put up like three hundred air conditioners and have them all like split airs, and you're like, what? You come in, and you're like, you're like, what are you talking about? And I make these little boxes, and then you fill up the room, and you're like, oh no, you're like just disasters, you know? But yeah. 
I will say from the standpoint of, of my fellow colleagues um, at the U of A in, in controlled environment, the one thing that we never lacked on was work um, because you're running greenhouses and you're running grows. And I honestly feel like I'm full circle and came back home mm -hmm. because having your hands on the plant is the whole reason. Honestly, it's something about gardening and farming and being with the plant and smelling it and mm -hmm. being a part of that. And it's a little bit bizarre for us to be in the industry because we're not the corporate person who brings in, you know, and can support the sun or whatever and bring in their big corporate money. We are still paying student loans <laughs> and we're not, you know, from from the, the ground up roots of growing and maybe not necessarily know who's who. And mm -hmm. so to come into it from this perspective is a little bit of, of an outsider, but with the utmost respect to say, can I play too? You know, I mean, from a plant perspective, from mm -hmm. the medicinal perspective, this is everything that drove us into our own um, uh, major. This is, we lived our lives and then a little bit at a sidebar and then you live your lives in the greenhouse and, you know, maybe on Friday can maybe find some time for a pitcher of beer and then, but you're living your life by a pest outbreak, Jesus Christ, Sunday night, birthday, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If the, you know, irrigation goes down. Right. There's no. Yeah, yeah. That's you're living the life right there. Yeah, and that's and like, so and that's part of the. So and, and, that's, and then the funny part it. is, it's always in your head. Like <laughs> no matter what, even when you go on holiday, you feel guilty. Not, not even on holiday, you're working, yeah. and it's still guilty. You're guilty. It's like guilty, <laughs> guilty you, because you're not there. And like you're, like you're like the whole point of these things' lives. You know what I mean? Like even so, if you get automation going, you still want to be there. If you don't well, yeah. see it every day, yeah. I, I mean, automation would make the plants less. Maybe plants hate you a little more, but, but at the same time, or the employees maybe. But you know, I go into a greenhouse gotta, and they're like, "Why are you looking underneath?" And I'm like, "I want to see what's under the leaf, right?" I mean, it's just like that's mm -hmm. the perspective you want to have if you're really growing. Oh, yeah, you know, put different eyes on a room, especially like when you, you're, you know, if you if you if you were there when you put the plants in and you leave for a couple of weeks and do like some trips or something, come back, it's almost always not the way you would have done it, no matter what. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. You walk in very for I mean, occasionally you get somebody who just does things the same rhythm as you, but it's very hard because it's like uh, you become part of the, you know, the, either the the. You know, you're either helping out or you're completely fucking it up, which is, you know, that's where it really is the, uh, the guidance. Like, you see people that just overwater or, you know, like. Or that, don't even know how to water. That's like, it's like, <laughs> especially when you're in dry conditions, it's like even harder because some people are used to, you know, they come straight out of like East Coast and they're used to this humidity thing and they haven't mm -hmm. like time to play around and mess around. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, well, this stuff's like. But that's the key is what questions do you need to ask? When you get started or when you walk into something, um, what don't I know? I'm in a new environment. I'm in the desert now, and I am from Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Colorado. What's different about this environment? Okay, ask right. those questions. Mm -hmm. right. and, I mean, here, and the best growers do that. Here, especially outdoors, is like uh, much more... Uh, it's it's different. Anytime someone from Cali's here, they're like, you know, they, 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 at a certain time of year, it's perfect, it's easy, but... It drops off here like in a heartbeat, but then it also does this little dip that if you're local, and I'm not even local, you know I've been here for do. seven years, I'd be like, oh, okay, it's just going to be one <laughs> night. It's kind of like take care of them on that night, and then you know you got another month, and they're like, no way, it's got to go down. Like, it's, it's over, it's over. You know, I was like, no, dude, just relax. It's like one little 
slap you get at the beginning, you know? Yeah, the same thing at the nursery. If it was getting below freezing, be like, oh, just water the plants. What? No, water the plants. Because if it's dry, all that yeah. freezing air gets in there and be like, just water the plants. It's right. not going to be the end of everything. You're still going to have your tree nursery. Everything's going to be okay. Or even in the landscape. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of experience. So you guys have greenhouses that are under control of by C4? Or you just like, you're We're about not set, growers. You guys are, okay, no. Yeah, no. we want to do the research and development. We do the testing right now. Yeah, yeah. And that's then, what I thought you guys were just doing testing. And mm-hmm. the consulting is mm-hmm. a, a big deal because I'm very passionate about making sure that any knowledge that I can do to help somebody, you know, be a better grower or ask those questions, that's what we want to do. Yeah. And then the R&D is going to be important at some point. So we will we will get into that. It's just a matter of making sure that we're doing it for the research purposes and not from the profit standpoint. Yeah, and when we have been able to find some of those relationships out there that you know, have been our long-term clients that now we have access to be in, you know, to be in their grow, to work with some of their genetics, to mm-hmm. you know, uh, have them partner with us so we can make some of those advancements. Well, and it's uh, you know it's it's really been it's been good because there's mm-hmm. there's three or four core core clients out there that have really helped us in, in progressing. So what kind of equipment are you guys using mostly uh, for the testing? Mm-hmm. For the testing, we have UHPLC uh, okay. for the cannabinoids, and then a GCFID with headspace analysis for terpenes and residuals. Okay, um, and then we're looking to bring in a triple quad LCMS. Which is basically the instrument that's used in any of the regulatory states that are you know doing pesticide analysis. You right. know? But one of the one of the challenges for us is that all those instruments I just listed are extremely expensive. Sure. Um, so if we're going to look into do that, we have to know that the demand's going to be there. We have to know that people are interested enough and care enough to to run that analysis, or else we just bought a you know two hundred thousand dollar paperweight. Right. Um, so that's that's a challenge in Arizona. Every time we want to reinvest and we want to expand our offering, it you know we have to make sure that um, it's warranted and that the market will receive it well and that there will be a demand there to to justify that expense so we have to balance that because what we'd like to do is all the tests we can to protect and to be able to do r&d and to be Mm -hmm. able to learn all we can and i mean we're nerds no doubt about it and as much information and data as we can find we love nerding out on that so well and the labs are not the cash cow of the industry let's no certainly not (laughs) in arizona maybe maybe in other states certainly not in arizona there's like always a rush for them and people kind of it's kind of like making clones where you think it's going to make you a lot of money, but in the end you're just throwing away a lot of materials and kind of like running through shit and like getting certain times complete. Oh, yeah, it's it's complete, an expensive proposition to run complete, a lab, no doubt about Complete it. like fuck-ups and be like, oh, well, there goes another or whatever. You know what I mean? And you, have to, and you really got to be on your, on your game. And then, of course, you guys are maintaining a clean room and being all like, High-tech, high I hope, about well, it. Well, I mean... Is this a tree fort? Is this a tree well, fort? No, it's not a tree <laughs> fort. We, we, we do have a <laughs> this full... This is a tree fort where you guys are right now. This oh. is like my little tree fort. No, we have a full-on lab and real office and all that good stuff. Um, but as far as a clean room, that's not really necessary with, uh, I mean, the organic material that, that we utilize. We have the we have the hoods and things of that nature when we're doing the, the tissue culture. Or the microbial. Yeah, and the microbial. But as far as in the actual lab itself, it's not really. It's overkill, and I would imagine not many labs actually would do that, to be honest. Actually have like a clean room, clean room where there's HEPA filtration and, you know, showers and whatnot you take in and out, that type of stuff. <laughs> not many labs would do that. Right. And I mean... There's a certain standard that's required, and some standards aren't necessary. Mm-hmm. Some are just overkill, and it, and it is. I mean, it's grown in the dirt. It's an organic product, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if it's grown outdoors in proper conditions, I mean, you want it to grow directly in the ground. I mean, that's always the nicest feeling. Unfortunately, most places not. But uh, you guys are uh, seeing more greenhouses being developed, like Wilcox Farms. Those big big ones kind of made everybody see the light, I'm sure, and go like, ooh, that's pretty big. I mean, we got to... Is there anybody trying to compete with them, or is there anybody? Yeah, like- there's a there's a very large facility in Snowflake um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, those those guys have invested obviously a great deal of money, but even more so to that. <clears throat> do they do they actually build it for this uh, thing, or was I'm it another sure conversion? I'm not sure if it was existing before conversion. Like I, I'm pretty sure the Wilcox one was existing. Oh, that, that prior. was definitely that was definitely yeah, a conversion. And I'm not 100 percent on on the Copper State one, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it is good to see knowing some of these guys now personally, though, that they've taken. They have the right approach. I'm seeing a good mentality and a mm-hmm. good, um, you know, th- their approach and their thoroughness, you know, makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we all worry is that people will come in with the wrong mentality and the wrong intentions. And um, and, and we're, we're gratefully not seeing that so far. And we've had the opportunity to get to work with both of them. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see where they're going to, where they're going. Yeah, I think it's, it's cool to see the different states approach too and i mean mm-hmm. it's kind of falling into line where new states kind of know it's looking it's, it's easier when you're looking at all these examples i mean now we have all sorts of examples we have washington which has completely gone reversed on certain things and like at first being super cool like some states like here too was cool now it's lame you know what i mean so you you look at how the future is going to be and if you look towards colorado that's bullshit so you don't want to do that but at the same time, most places are going to look because the problem is everyone's looking at the money now, and it's really yeah. obvious that it's still going in that direction. And you're like, okay, we're not like they look at the home growers as competition for the dispensaries. And the reality, like here, that did you listen last week to Jessica at all? Because she was talking about how like here they they are butchering the whole breeding. They had this new license they were coming out with for breeders, which was like, oh, okay, perk your ears up. But and they said like up to 500 plants. But you have to go through two years of waiting mm. for, wow. and in that process, you can have 12 plants. I was like, well, how are you going to do it? What yeah. is the, that's like saying you're not a breeder for two years until you could be a breeder? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It seems like they're following the hemp model where you need to have certified stock or something along those lines. I think um, I, I've had this saying for, for, for at least the last six months, but I think that there's so much to learn about the other states of what they've done, not just from a growing standpoint and business standpoint, but from regulation standpoint. And if Arizona is smart and we do have maybe the opportunity to fucking get it right. And mm-hmm. and that would be really ironic for Arizona. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> We're talking uh, about kind of a backward state. And I'm glad it, it didn't roll over. I mean, I'm glad that Arizona is still medical. And you know, if not, I think what's down there right now would have been taken away. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, the the model itself. I think is very advantageous for for the growers and for breeders, and it allows um, it allows you guys the flexibility. I, at least the people down there allows yeah. them the flexibility to do some pretty pretty amazing things. And you know, now that we're working on legislation to amend some of the things that weren't necessarily right or didn't weren't brought along in two thousand and ten the way we would have hoped them to be. Um, you know, I think we're I think we're fixing some of those, and now we've had the opportunity to learn from states that that, that you know it wasn't necessarily that they're wrong. It was just that they were the first ones to have to do it. So obviously, there's growing pains in that. So we've learned from what didn't work and what caused undue harm, undue stress, and 
an undue restriction, um, and what had snuffed out craft, what had snuffed out medical. You know, some of those things have really deeply been impacted in a lot of these states, and we want to avoid that from happening, if at all possible. Um, I think, uh, as far as Arizona goes, seeing the plant and being a student and traveling and just really looking at how the plant grows, down there, the resin production uh, that I've seen in Wilcox, and mm-hmm. you know the way that the plants express is just phenomenal underneath right. the sunshine. It's there's something about the air, and when the the rainstorms roll through, I mean, it's just it's perfect. Nice to watch. It's quite different than uh, the Pacific Northwest. You know, right. there's a type of growing that we haven't talked about. Um, that my husband and I um, ran a grow, and they wanted to start growing outside in the middle of summertime. And uh, we chuckled <laughs> and said, okay, you're going to take a greenhouse, um, you know, veg, and then all of a sudden throw it outside in the Arizona in, in July. Mm-hmm. So there's another way maybe we can go about this. And um, you guys are probably familiar with some of these grows, but you could do retractable. Mm-hmm. So then you do have that nice, it's a, it's a beautiful hybrid between doing a greenhouse and an outdoor grow, and you still are utilizing the sun, which mm-hmm. is free in Arizona. Hello. You know, you can add some su- supplemental lighting. You can still do blackout. Yeah. You can still actually any kind of, in the right way, stress for these plants because it's a stress response. The, the metabolites, you know, all of the, the phytochemicals that we care about is all based off of some sort of stress. And mm-hmm. so it is kind of a unique um, approach that hasn't really gained a lot of traction. And I think a lot of it has to do with just being able to do that research and have that experience and figure out your cycles, mm-hmm. I mean, how many times can you do that based off of lights and how many grows can you get into a season? It's going to be different even in a retractable than it would be outdoor grow because you can have some of that protection. And I, I've been there when we've had the haboobs, you know, those big, you know, the dust storms. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shit, close faster. Come on, pull those. But right. And it was, it, the plants were absolutely fine. Sure. So, it would have been completely another leap. All the, I mean, they were covered in dust, obviously. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Even if they didn't get wrecked. And all kinds of contaminants. And, and then if you have a yeah. good yeah. storm in the right way where it's not going to be hazardous, just open that shit up and let it just right. naturally wash mm-hmm. off and clean with the rainwater because that's good pure water versus even the well water, depending on where you're at, can be mm-hmm. an issue. And so it's a nice way to naturally do that. And if, if you know how to cultivate in that way as a grower and be able to adapt and ask those questions and be like, okay, so again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, where am I at? How can I best utilize where yeah, it's I'm all, at? I mean, it all depends. Like if you're yeah. in Alaska or something, then, you Not know, gonna you, be. you know, the, you know, you, you get like a, what, three months or something like that and you don't yeah. get the full, you know, can't utilize as much and then. Probably produce yeah. some good veg though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Good diameter there. I mean, yeah. they all, but everyone adjusts, and somebody figures it out. And, um, you know, out here, sometimes putting plants out in July is actually, I mean, you can still pull it off. They'll be a lot smaller, but they'll guarantee, you know, they'll still pull it. They'll, they'll come in. Uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of combinations, and people, uh, the, the good growers uh, work, their, work their area properly and then understand it. And some people... You can watch them put them out really early and think they're going to get a bigger plant, and then you just laugh when they get hailed on because you know, like, <laughs> didn't you know it hails every single time right around the first of fucking June? You know, you have to almost wait till right after that, then put them out because there's here's like a 
disaster. You know? Or you could say, is there another way we can do it and protect ourselves from the hail? <laughs> right. Retractable another roofs. She's, she's a sales. She's, she's definitely on the retractable sales. The, the retractable I don't believe there's <laughs> any stakes. I like it. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, it yeah. Something um, about uh, um, growing. I don't know. I just can't stop learning. Yeah, yeah I know. Here is a, here is a good good place for that also. We have 300 days of sun a year. And yeah. and even, like, you know, unless you're up high, it's obviously colder. Um, but down here, when I first moved here, I noticed it too. People were like, uh, you know, I was like, dude, it's like 50 degrees out and it's the middle of the winter and it's just have these little <laughs> weird ups and downs. Yeah. And they can be like, we never tell anybody, you know, just like kind of like, oh, it's really cold, you know, but it's hardly in Denver itself. But in the rest of, you know, there's areas, of course, the higher up you go. But, right. Always a little microclimates. Yeah. And then like, obviously, I mean, Oregon is always key. Whenever I land there, like, I'm like, man, everything here is so lush. I mean, this is like... It yeah. just grows everything, you know, on the side of the highway. <laughs> it's like things are just growing. And, like, definitely uh, it's a beautiful sort of special spot. New England's like that, too, in spots where you're just like, there's certain areas, and you're just like, they get that extra couple weeks, and that's why they, we have this guy, Ron Wallace, who we should actually do shout-outs in a minute. But uh, mm-hmm. he's one of our sponsors, and he do, he's the guy who grows those giant pumpkins, and he's like, in that perfect spot, you know, then, yep. and people are like, but you get two extra weeks, and it's like, you know, hey, it's what happens, you know, and it just happens to be everyone else has cut them off the vine, and they're ready to go. He's still got the last couple of weeks to, at 50 pounds a day at the point, and then when they're really, really. Just packing it on. Yeah, so it's one of those, like, you know. Go outside, look around, like, no, I'm good you, today. <laughs> at, and maybe on those last couple of days, it's probably like they're not putting on as much, but still. Even if they're putting on ten pounds a day for two, you know, two extra weeks, you get an extra hundred forty. It's that hundred and forty pounds got me over the edge. But he was already doing two tons. He was already doing two thousand pounds. I mean, a ton. It's not but it's like you know, that's ridiculous. And it was all rhizosphere. You know, just working the working the right rhizosphere, and that's his whole game. You know, like he's like thinking about that. By the right <laughs> genetics and manipulate that. Oh, the genetics, yeah. obviously, but but also just. You know, he knows it's all about that. It's like it's on. on he's, he has all mycorrhizal products. Should we pull on their? Uh, should we pull the? Uh, might as well. I just I'm already did half. Let's I, do shoutouts. I have uh, our other guest ready yeah. to call in, and uh, we'll there leave you to go. Topic of the day. We'll do the shoutouts right now. We'll start with Mr. Wallace because we just were talking about him, and <clears throat> the Wallace Organic Wonder, the Wonder from uh, Rhode Island. He's got the best accent. We love. We love having him on the show. He's got that thick New England accent. I grew up in Rhode Island when I was a kid. So it's always like the guy who chased me off the fucking lawn or whatever. Hey, get off my pumpkin. Do that guy. So but he's awesome. Check him out. Check out. Check those pumpkins out. Check out. But well, that ain't that. That ain't the pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> I love the tomato there. Right. The tomato's 10 pounds. Your head. 10 pounders. 10 pounders. But uh, you can get all his products at, directly from him at uh, his website, which is Wallace Wow.com. Wallace Wow.com. Awesome. And he might, if you give him a, if you give him a letter, a letter, it's great to talk to him, but he, uh, he'll, he'll write, he'll contact you direct. He'll, he'll help you out. Uh, he's got some great genetics, obviously. If he, I think he, he was telling us up to $500 per seed. Bam. Oh. That's the, that's the market. Wow, <laughs> you got <gotta, laughs> to reserving some space for wow. pumpkins. You know, Normally right? about fifty bucks a seed, but still, there's a couple of special special ones out there that are just like you know sought after. Um, so you can contact them directly. Get some of their great products, uh, all mycorrhizal products. Like I said, a lot of rhizosphere, gold, 
little regenerators and stuff. So give them a shout. And New Millennium, local guys here. Incredible, uh, easy to use formula, seasonal based. So, you know, spring, summer, winter, fall, all those things kind of, you know, don't mix them all up too much like I just did. But, you know, a little less mixing up would be good. But if you run them in those orders and whenever you're feeling it, you can kind of uh, give them their fulvic product that they, uh, we really love the, and uh they've got a new couple new ones too a new carb uh which one's that called was that the carbonara or something like yeah. that carbonara, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course uh and uh we'll get them on the show in the next couple of weeks and see what they're doing but they go to newmillenniumnutrients.com and check out the website got a they have a all it's brand new. It's all fresh. It all works, and it's uh, they have the calculator. So if you can just put in what you're doing, you can figure it all out. You don't have to waste much money, and uh, you can call, contact them direct, and they can ship it to you and all that good stuff. And or find, find somebody local. Just tell them, say, "What the fuck? You don't have this on the shelf? What kind of shop is this? Kick kick the thing over when you walk out, and just you know, then go back, and hopefully it's there, and you don't get arrested. That's kind of the idea." Whatever, just ask or check the store finder. That actually helps too. Incredibles, mm. yeah, the best edibles here in Colorado. Now in Nevada and Cali, and moving on to Mass, I think, or something. All over the place, all over the place, covering America with all their delicious, lovely candy. Oh, I can't say candy. Adult snacks that Get are get an adult medicated adult trick or things that you chew yeah. on. Yes, it's definitely your time for your, to take care of yourself. You got your kids are going to be like having so much candy. You better go buy these for yourself and just go chill out. And your be kids like, will love you. You're not stealing you, their candy. You're going to be an exact opposite <laughs> of them. They're going to be jumping around like maniacs, and you're just going to be chilling out, like watching Netflix and going like, how many fucking episodes of this shit did I watch? Yeah, but sometimes you need that. You need that like extra patience, and uh-huh. if I get you there, get you there. Oh, you of know? course. You got to... Um, you have to call in your inner Yoda is what I was listening to this therapist kind of kid thing. I was like, and she, and she was all like, yeah, you're going to get your inner Yoda. And I was like, that's easy. I do, I do that every day with my kid. I'm just like, really? Is that what you want to do? I'm like, that I can't believe it. Awesome. I'm never. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what are you thinking? Um, but Incredibles, you go to iloveincredibles.com if you want to check out their store finder, check out where they're at. Uh, go if you're here in Colorado, you can find them at every single dispensary that I've ever been into. I think, and uh, like I said, everywhere in America soon. And you can also check out for their their extracts. And if you're really into making extracts, you can check out their incredible extractor machine, 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 machine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then build a soil. Buildasoil.com are, this is our most dedicated, I was thinking about the other day, I was like, these guys are the fucking most dedicated sponsors we've ever had. They have never failed us. They have come through every single month. I'll be like, how is that shit still on? KTI, how's it working? And then I go like, oh yeah, Jeremy did it. He (laughs) kept it rolling. He kept the show rolling. Jeremy's awesome. We've had almost every single sponsor drop out on us. It's amazing. But the couple have hung in. Just because, you know, they're like, eh, these guys. They do something, they make a bunch of money, and then they get like a bunch of good contacts, and then they forget. And then they're like, eh, these guys don't deserve 500 bucks. Forget about it. So then we have to like drop them. We, we broke up with you. That's what we usually say. That's, a, that's our style. 
We, we dropped, yeah, we dropped you because you guys sucked, I it think. It was you, not me. No, we would never, we never said one thing bad about all these people that left us, but they all left us. So anybody who left us, you just know they left us, that's all. They left us. We definitely would have had, we're like, please, <laughs> hang in there. We, we know it. Now we, we usually vet our people pretty well. We didn't have to vet Jeremy at all because his shit is on point. Built us off. Has always been on point. I think we, but we have helped him a lot because everybody listens to this show is like about 80% of them are no-till kind of mm-hmm. mentality. They might not be doing it, but they want to. And right. He's got all that product that you need to do that, and he's also got... IPM products and just hard to get stuff. Hard to find stuff. Hard to find little, you know. He's he's like that, like, oh, wow. He got home dehydrate. He's got all the dehydrated stuff for you for a space. Yeah. Yeah, he's got dehydrate coconut and dehydrate, like, you know, good. Yeah. You can, like, while you're feeding the plants, you're like, this is great. I love this stuff. <laughs> so that's what I like about half this stuff is, like, stuff I would want to eat. So I'm like, dude, this is great. Except for, you know, there's definitely a few products I'd be like, probably shouldn't eat that. But in general, you go to buildasoil.com or you go to 855-877-SOIL if you want to talk to somebody. Everybody there is super knowledgeable, which is good. We've had them. Two two went through there and double-checked. You were there with that trip or no? They all went down to the Montrose or whatever? (laughs) No. Apparently, everybody was on point. Everybody there was like, knew it's up. Wasn't like you were like, (laughs) it wasn't that going. I was like, it was a very good crew. And then... And Jeremy is on point. He's like yep. the best Smart of the guy. best. And we have a lot of shows if you want to listen to If you actually want to go back and listen to some of our old shows, which I never do, hardly. I'm going to one day. I'm going to be like, oh, my God, i got so many shows to listen to. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to be cringing. Uh, forget about it. Yeah. They're done. Got it. That's what I'm talking about. See? Cool. Those guys. Yep. Those kind of guys. Those they're guys. in. They're out. Fly by day, fly by night, whatever it is. Gotcha. Fly by night is what these guys are because they ain't going to last. If you don't do the Adam Dunn show. Gone. Done. That's, you're done, right? That's it. That's you, You've been done. You're, this is why we're <laughs> <done>. <laughs> you're good. Oh, You're in. That's you're your bumper right, sticker. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the big guy. This is the big guy. He should be calling in anyway because he's probably just sitting at home forgetting it's Friday like usual. Right. Seeds here now, seeds here now, seeds here now. Come on, come on. Seeds, seeds here now. Seeds where? Uh, seeds here now. Where are they? Where no, are the seeds? They're here. When? No. Oh, there you go. There <laughs> we you did go. it. Boom. That was it. That's how we do this shit. Yeah. That was orchestrated. It's right really there. orchestrated. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much. It's a very easy. I wish everyone could have seen the face expression now. Now? <laughs> Too bad the camera was at the wrong angle. We didn't quite get that one, but. It was sincere. It was a sincere, like he knew, he huh? thought. Yeah, it was Pavlov's dog. It was the Pavlov's <laughs> dog of commercials. Check out um, what they got. Well, they forget about the gold standard. We know that. Everybody knows it's the gold standard. Everybody knows they're the best place for exotic. Everybody knows they're the best place for all American breeders, straight from the breeder to you, basically through them, but at the same time, it's straight from the breeder. And if you have a problem with it, just fucking tell them and they'll give you new shit. That's, yeah. that's the best best deal ever and on top of that they have a, a seedsaholics and you go there and check out their auction site and then i'm sure there's a whole bunch of auctions for the fire victims i'm sure in norcal yeah, already up there good stuff and so that's support support help support that way with some fine genetics to help help you help them help you help them well all that Re- Reciprocal help, basically, is what you're trying to do. So what we're trying to say here. and um, But you can go to seedsaholics.com via seedsherenow.com. 
and you can check out all the auction sites or you can go to the definitely to directly to the different breeders and see what they got available and uh, yeah i think there's a, always good specials obviously and if you go through the Adam Dunn show and you just keep saying Adam Dunn show, Adam Dunn show, Adam Dunn show, somehow all over the thing, just say it, then he'll be, no, okay, he'll know. Say, I've been done. Yeah, the done deal. I want the done deal. I want the done deal now. I want the done deal. I want the done deal. And that'll usually help. That helps. It helps. We just try it everywhere. I try it at gas stations. It just doesn't work always. But can I have the done deal? They'd be like, what? And they'd be like, what? <laughs> Takes a while, but and then some brought to you by Sauce. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like the sauce sponsor. And the sponsor with the, the sponsor right there. propane Jane. Propane Jane. Sponsored assortments of uh, the old dirty diesel. Oh, we had some geek farm. Uh, we had some geek farm. Yep. We this had a little a, bit. We had a little bit of geek farm, is, which is awesome. This is the new homegrown natural wonders old dirty diesel. It's uh, the organ diesel by Doctor Who from Odie, who's right out over there, right Make behind that door, yeah. just hiding. He's the least loud of everybody, though, so he's usually not too loud. Is he coming in? Who's coming in? I have our other caller here. We can get him out. Oh, yeah, get a caller. Let's uh, let's lead in. So, uh, you know, I thought... uh, Let's do it. Oh, and who's... We have books from where? Well, this is just a book that... uh, Just found a book. Concept book where uh, she loves this book. I think it's a great book. Well, yeah, this way. Let's see. Yes, please show it, show it, show it. Plants from test tubes. <sighs> Very good read. This is the uh, tissue culture show. Deep so. sigh. <sighs> Am I sensing hesitation? No, it's just it's one of those things. Like I, I'm like I don't want to get. To, I'm like I want it. I don't want it. I want it. I don't want it. I want it. I don't want it. It's kind of one of those. Let me help you out here. Uh, if if it does all the things that I would want it to do, which I've heard it does, which I'm going to see if this caller can. T- Tell us the realities yeah. of it um, when he does. You told him the times, right? Yeah, or you told him no, the I, phone I, number. I, he's waiting. Okay, just I tell him, give a call. Sponsors. We'll take a couple of dabs. We do the sponsors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, secret sponsors. Well, let's no get, you know, some more background on her, you know. With, uh, I'd love to hear some of the stuff, what led you into uh, tissue culture in general, and what drove you away from, you know, tissue culture and then moving to cannabis. Uh, oh, yeah. I'd love to hear about that. <laughs> well, tissue culture, I got started... Um, in my undergrad at the U of A, and um, working with orchids was the first uh, plant, and working with uh, Arizona native, actually. It's an endangered species, um, and... Oh, hi. This guy's on point, man. So this is uh, Eric Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Goes by Microprop420 on Instagram. All right. Eric? Hey. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? You hear us? Hello? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hi. As long as you can hear us, then uh, we I are. hear you. Can I listen to the show online? No, don't listen. Just, just, just turn. You can come sh- back and listen later. You can hey. leave, yeah, just turn the volume down because you know how it is. We'll end up with a triple echo. Yeah. Feedback. I can hear you. I can hear you. Can I hear you. Can I listen to the show <laughs> online? No. Oh, yeah. There we go. You can hear it. Is this James? All right. Is the second caller? Mm-hmm. So we have a second caller. Who's second caller? Hey, this is Jordan from Central Hydro Club in Rhode Island. Hey, Jordan. What's going what's down? Say what up to Adam. What up? What's happening? What's happening? How's your weekend? You got the big thing in Providence going on? Yeah, we just uh, we just finished the High Times Cup. Yeah, but isn't there something else happening this weekend now? Like a Providence something? 
Oh, we, yeah, we got the, the New England Cannabis Convention coming up. Oh, yeah. yeah, that thing, that thing. How was your cup? <laughs> you survived. You didn't get in trouble. That's a good job. Always as usual. Yep, yeah, no trouble. <laughs> so you had meth and, you had yeah, meth and red man, meth and red man at your spot? Just red man, yeah. Oh, just red man. Meth man, three books, something else. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's good. No trouble in that little yeah. tiny town. It's always, it's always an accomplishment, I'd have to say. And working with high times and, and coming out alive is always a good thing, too. You, you, didn't, you didn't get in any trouble yeah. Yeah. on their part. That was great to have it go good. Well, nice one. Uh, so I got another guest on the line. So get the fuck off my line. No, but I'll talk. Shout it out, motherfucker. We listening. Shout it out. Thanks for listening. Thank you, man. Thank you. Organic mood. Of course. Hey, no, of course. And uh, congrats on everything. And uh, I'll be seeing you guys like on the 14th or something like that. What's the date? 14th? Yeah, we'll see you in a month. Cannabis All-Stars, 18th and 19th. That's it, 18th and 19th. I don't know. I get all confused. But yeah, I'll see you guys uh, next month. Sounds good. Fifth annual (laughs) All-Stars. I'm amazed. Fifth annual. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. We're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Peace out. All right, cool, guys. All right, peace. All right, peace. You have the best laugh. All right. All right, Eric. So we're, we're back. Yep. We're back. We're back. All right, Eric, are you with us? Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm here. All right. All right. So uh, <laughs> we were just... We were talking, feel free to tell Mr. Wallace that I'll take any proven seed donations. <laughs> the crazy thing is, it's $500 a seed if you think about how many seeds a giant pumpkin makes. It's kind of right. Like, yeah. We're in the wrong business. Yeah, right. but the weird part was is that it, it was a really it was a really like disappointing amount of seeds for such a big pumpkin though. You were really like, that's it, like yep, yeah, that's it. It was like, well, and the demand for giant pumpkin seeds probably isn't as anywhere no. near the demand for cannabis seeds. Not quite. Not anyway, quite yeah, I'm, a lot of people know me as Microprop 420, Eric Goldberg, uh, long time fan of the show. Um, got into cannabis uh, via the Grateful Dead in the early 90s. And, you know, that, that's kind of when my dance with the cannabis community started, you know, developed a deep love of the plant. I've been engaged in its cultivation and breeding for the last 25 years. Uh, science background, I went to uh, the Evergreen State College in Washington, got a BS, dabbled in tissue culture, um, you know, as well as like uh, I worked in a bacteriophage genetics lab. That's how I got into molecular genetics. Went to grad school at Penn State, uh, have a master's degree in plant pathology, where I, my thesis was focused on uh, plant-microbe interaction. Basically, like I used molecular genetic techniques to investigate how like plants uh, see microbes uh, respond to, to uh, pathogens. In the, in the meantime, you know, I've gotten into the, quote, industry uh, for the last couple of years as a consultant using, you know, my, my background in plant pathology to develop, like, strategic IPM uh, biocontrol-based strategies for, you know, I've worked with, like, the, the top uh, per, tier three producer in Washington, $2.4 million a month. Um, yeah, so, you know, more recently, <laughs> people know me from working in tissue culture, uh, Instagram, on Microprop420, and I was really lucky to spend, you know, I, I managed to cross paths with people that were crazy enough to want to get into cannabis tissue culture. Of course, most people in the industry, right off the bat, they want to archive everything, and they, they see tissue culture as this sort of magic, you know, storage system, which mm-hmm. really, you know, I have to talk these people down usually. Right. Uh, you know, one of the weird things is, like, Hope mentioned orchids, and tissue culture was kind of started in the orchid community because mm-hmm. it's impossible to breed or, or, or propagate orchids without uh, a septic technique. Cannabis, on the other hand, is 
really easy, as we know, to propagate conventionally. And so I think the angle that I usually try to, to come from and what got me into it was being a consultant for these places and realizing the catastrophic situations that people get in on a commercial scale of cannabis just from basic pests like spider mites, broad mites, powdery mildew, et cetera. Right. The parent, one of the biggest things people need is clean plant stock. And so that led me to micropropagation. And that, that was like I, I, my. I've seen some pretty interesting stuff. And that was kind of like my <laughs> golden t- ticket part of it, which was like, okay, well, the one thing I would do like about it is the fact that anything that you produce should be, you know, cleaned of any disease that it has. But at the same time, I'm also thinking like, well, I carry some stuff around for 28 years, mm-hmm. and you know it's been through hell and back, and it's like at the same time you still hang on to it because it's your original thing and then at the same time you'd love to clean it all up but then at the same time you don't know if that's a if it's possible yeah right and one of the things that people observed in in micropropagation over decades was that the plants that go through the micropropagation process successfully and not every species it takes to it at all um they they observed a, a rejuvenation or return to a juvenile state um, and an increased vigor. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, subsequently, we've learned that there's a molecular basis for that. Uh, there's the DNA methylation. Basically, it's, it, it, it's epigenetics. The, the mm-hmm. negative environment, pathogen pressure, you know, even like reversing plants from, from flowering back to bed, all of this has an impact on, on what genes a plant expresses, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's not changing the DNA itself. It's changing how the plant uses its DNA. And that's based on how the plant, what the plant perceives of the environment. But the rub is, is that this stuff is really hard to reverse traditionally. Like when it can last for like, it, it's, it's inheritable in, in the, the plant's progeny and it can last for like eight generations, you know, like eight generations. The neat thing is micropropagation, we don't totally understand why it happens, but we understand that it, it is effective in resetting the methylation and the histone, cha- the changes to the histone, so the, the proteins that the plant's DNA is wound up on. Mm-hmm. Um, part of this is like, because what people don't understand is for plants to grow, the cells have to divide, and every time the cells divide, the, chrom- the, the DNA has to be wound back up into chromosomes and then distribute it into the daughter cells. And so I like to think of it in lay terms. I always tell people, like, the way I look at it is, it's like when you move, you know, you've got boxes of your stuff, and there's some stuff that, like, you know, has your dishes from your great aunt or her Christmas decorations, and that stuff sits in your garage the last three times you moved without getting open. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like the genes that the plant has decided that it doesn't need. Right. And there's other stuff, like your, your, your toiletries and your, mm-hmm. your dishes and pots and pans, are the last thing you pack and the first thing you unpack. And that's kind of what the cell, the plant cells do as well. You know, they say, okay, well, you know, originally you selected plants for like smell, vigor, bag appeal, whatever. And over the course of a decade or two, you expose them to all these different stresses and it convinces the plant that what you originally selected for isn't as important as surviving heat stress mm-hmm. or drought stress. I remember. Um, well, and if you take a plant, anyway, if, so. if you take a plant that's in stress, and if you're doing conventional propagation, you're going to see a lot of people talk about genetic drift. It's not mm-hmm. a drift. It's a it's a plant that is in stress when you take those cuttings, and there's no free lunch. You've heard that many many times. So, 
if you take a plant that is in stress and you're propagating it versus if you take a mother plant that's been well cared for and you take cuttings, you know from your own experience you see a difference mm -hmm. in the vigor. And if you yeah, even seeds generated are will also you know, this also yeah. happens in breeding the, mm -hmm. the 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 effect of bad epigenetics affects the progeny. And, well. and one way I, I like to think about epigenetics, and it's an oversimplification, but again, it is true to a certain extent. So if you think about yourself and where we are now, right? And if you start to see these age spots or your skin starting to get kind of loose and saggy, there's a half-life also of, of certain proteins that exist for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. And so... When you have the ability to think of yourself as a child, you're genetically still you, right? You're still you. You're a lot more energy. Your son has a lot of energy, right? And, and, and ideas. And, and there are certain things that has not bombarded his little brain yet mm -hmm. to create a different mindset or to have, you know, this whatever this shit is that's happening here during age, right? And so if there is a way to get back to that really excited, rambunctious, but it's still genetically you, hmm. that's a lot of times a nice way to also think about. I mean, the thing to remember is that cannabis isn't a perennial plant, and it, it's a short-season annual, and it just does not have the molecular machinery to reset these epigenetics the way the like, deciduous plant that loses its leaves every season and comes back hmm. and, is, and is designed to live for hundreds of years. This, this plant is, is, is just not. And I think micropropagation might, interestingly enough, be a way to kind of get around that. The other, the other thing is when you see these plants, like I personally have the Williams Wonder that I've had for over 15 years, and the person I got it from has had it for over 20, there's clearly some cannabis strains have some sort of mechanisms for increased stability over long periods of time, whereas others, we've seen strains come and go in a matter of five years where they just become unstable and no one wants to grow them, kind of like the cherry pie. Mm -hmm. is a good example of a strain that probably was phenomenal when someone first cracked the seed, but late, you know, now when it, as it comes around, everyone knows, you know, week two of flowering, you better be picking off male flowers or you're going to have an un unanticipated breeding project on your hand. Yep, yet another, yet another cherry pie cross. <laughs> That's how you know you have the real one, right? Yeah, Sperm I mean, balls. it's a great, it's great uh, breeding material, but... Well, it's going to be interesting as uh, we talk about some of the seeds that um, have not been grown because it wasn't ideal for doing the closet grow or was not bred to be just THC producing and 24-hour light, this kind of stuff. So it will be really nice to actually start seeing some of, you were mentioning your seeds and might be a way to be able to work with some of that product. Right. We also know that certain viruses can live in the seed coat Mm -hmm. For decades and 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 decades, and live and be an yeah. active virus in low temperature, or hot temperature, it doesn't matter. And so, it's a nice, safe way to pop seeds. What's another your take way. on TMV? I stay out of that conversation normally. Oh, but it's, I mean, because it's when so you bring rare. It up, there's a lot of dogma. It's so rare. Um, in my experience, from what I understand, that cannabis pictures. definitely can be infected by TMV. Absolutely. I've worked with it, Eric, actually. I'm so glad that you brought yeah, up that question so, because from a scientific yeah, there's a, there's standpoint, a paper published I've where they infected. It. It's crazy cool. It's the most over, it's the most yeah, basically, cannabis, 
What's the yeah. most over? It's the most like overly thought thing, but the reality is, is usually not. So many people say, "Oh, you got TMV." It's like the What's first. What's wrong thing with people, my plant? Like yeah. something's wrong. TMV. Well, like, I think there's definitely plants, and then you can have complexes of diseases too, where a plant that is carrying the TMV virus might be asymptomatic until it gets uh, alfalfa mosaic virus, and now you you will see disease symptoms. So yeah, but if you have a combination, alone, if you have one virus, you may not see it, or a viroid, you may not see a phenotype's not going to affect your yield. But now all of a sudden you get one or two of those, and then you get a uh, stressor from a whitefly outbreak. Let's say, mm -hmm. for example, now you've just really crossed a threshold, and now you're going to start seeing uh, symptoms that you maybe didn't see before. The other thing that is different about certain viruses is is it systemic, meaning or just like powdery mildew, right? And so you know that if you have uh, brushed the leaf because you weren't well, careful. Well, powdery mildew isn't systemic. That's another great yeah. thing to bring up while we have the science crew on board. Yeah, it's, it's funny too I because I had... Powdery yeah. mildew is not systemic. It's, it's, there's it's two species in cannabis. There's Sphyrophica macularis and Levolutorica. Sphyrophica macularis is kind of superficial, but Levolutorica is like an endophyte. So it, it penetrates through the stomata and yeah. colonizes the mesophyll. So people think it's just systemic because it's hard to reach mm -hmm. with most. That's really the biggest, I think, the biggest reason for the use of micropropagation cannabis right now is that, like powdery mildew, you can't use microbutanol, which is a great, you know, it's a, it, it, you can spray it on strawberries uh, on the day of harvest, and that, and that's, you know, that's the baby food crop. So it's obviously safe. Of course, the combustion product is possibly, you know, mm -hmm. dangerous. You know it's so bad when you open it. it up. You just go, oof, but, that's, that's But starting bad. with clean plants is paramount in an industry where you literally cannot use any modern agricultural chemicals. Mm -hmm. um, and I have actually, I have actually successfully micropropagated healthy cultures from powdery mildew infested plants. And I think the reason why micropropagation, one, it's the material, the, the minute amount of material that you're using, the meristematic tissue, isn't really what powdery mildew infects. Combined with the fact that in vitro, the, the micropropagated plants don't have a fully developed vascular system, mm -hmm. uh, cuticle, or even stomata necessarily because of the high humidity conditions. Plant cannabis plants all plants have plasticity, so they, they adapt to their environment. And the way they adapt to the in vitro environment is to not develop stomata. So by having one or two passes, one or two subcultures, you pretty much grow the plants out of the powdery mildew without having to use any chemicals. Or you throw it um, away. But that, yeah. No, it's, I mean, the thing is, it, and it's, it's people think of it as like the, like a silver bullet a lot of times, like, yeah, this is going to be so easy. It's like, it's not easy at all. It takes a long time. And, and, and it depends on the goal. And I, um, when, when I work with the various clients, it, what, what's the goal? Is the goal to actually rescue genetics? Is that mm -hmm. the goal? Is the goal to um, uh, develop, a, you know, a germ, you know, a library, and so you can uh, well, store your genetics down? Well, they're different. They're apples and oranges. They're, but that's why I'm yeah, saying that, it's that's about, interesting. Like, but, the, but we're in most agreement. Most people's interest in it, I found, um, is originally people want to archive stuff, but they also want you to clean up stock. And, right, you know, when, when you're taking sick plants and micropropagating, you might only get, like, 20% healthy cultures out the other side. Um, but if you're trying to archive things, it, the, we, I call it, you know, it's called stage zero in tissue culture. It's the how the plants are staged going into it. And actually what I found, in, you know, I've, I've tissue cultured about 30 strains, uh, a couple of hundred plants um, through the process. And what I found is, is that 
everyone thinks that you need a different recipe for every strain. And I don't think that's really true. I think that most strains are happy on a, you know, a basic recipe. There's a few outliers that need a little more fine tuning, but what people don't realize is how, how important this, the, the conditions of the plants are that you're taking your material from, mm-hmm. even just where on the plant you take your material. Anyone who takes cuttings knows that, that there's a, there can be a really big difference um, between cuttings taken from vigorously growing top parts of the plant versus more, you know, slow growing bottom parts of the plants. And same thing happens in tissue culture. And I think when people do little bits of tissue culture, they have, they, they see one strain doing well and another strain not. And they think that's because of the media. And I think a lot of times it's just because of the, the health of the plants that they started with. Yeah, you have uh, certain types of plants that have more successful, like fatter, depending on the leaf type or as far as like thickness and thinness and vigorous, easy to grow plants, blue dream, gorilla glue, harder to grow plants. Or, mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's kind I of, it, it, it's it, really, it's, I mean, micropropagation is same as normal, the same as normal in well, a sense, as far as easy ones, easy ones. If you take the young, are, tender, younger on the bottom part of the plant, mm-hmm. those, in my experience, uh, seem to be much uh, more vigorous in culture than if you take more woodier stems. Right. Doesn't mean it's not possible, but also a different time of day, I've noticed a difference. And um, I think that might have to do with... Um, Light levels, nutrients, you know, the, the, yeah, sh- the watering, the irrigation cycle, all of that I've, I've observed as yeah. being yeah. fair, you know, almost more influential than... You know, whether you're using, you know, PDZ or BAP isn't as important as, I mean, it, it, it is, but it's not as important as the health of the material. Yep. And I think getting back to, um, you know, the goal is, is this going to be the silver bullet to everything? It depends on the goal. If you want to be a breeder and maybe actually think about different approaches and speeding up the time to breed, there's some very, very cool ways to be able to use culture to do that. So that would be one focus. That would be one goal. If you're a Right, grower, that's my main interest yeah. is, is, is that, is, the, is using it as a jumping off point of biotech, you know. Right, you can create a true breeding plant by a tissue culture in a matter of months versus, the, I mean, in cannabis, a mm-hmm. true breeding line. I mean, sure, Rabidopsis, it self-pollinates. You can create a true breeding line with one plant and, and one, you know, it's very simple. Cannabis, because... Um, because they're, they have separate sexes and because we can't determine the traits that are valuable in the males, it becomes really cumbersome to try to breed for traits mm-hmm. without using marker-assisted selection Absolutely. or some of the tricks that you can use. You know, so basically, yeah, it's, it's been done. That's the really interesting thing about cannabis and the exciting thing and also the scary thing is that because of the legal status, it's, there's been such a lag in cannabis research that there's just like low, there's so much low hanging fruit. You kind of have to walk, you know, hunched over. Um, uh, so I think we're going to see some crazy stuff happen real soon. I'd love to talk with, with you hope, you know, down the line about how we can collaborate on some of these more bleeding edge biotech projects that are, that, you know, that obviously producers, you know, cannabis producers aren't going to be able to, uh, you know, pay for that research well, and without and they, academic support. Yeah, um, I'm absolutely excited to do that. And I'm excited to meet you as well, Eric. Um, I've followed actually your yeah. Instagram. I think you're doing really great stuff. And I think that there's going to be a need to do the research and development and let growers use your space for growing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think yeah. that <laughs> being a, a, able to still work with the plants and then still be able to do the research 
is what motivates me very much. And then this industry, it's a new idea, tissue culture to this industry. And that's because you guys were, you know, living in one way. And now mm. that you're able to come out, yeah, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit, but how do you start? Do you have time to do that? Do you have the space to do that? Do you have the money and the funds to do that? And when it comes to tissue culture, and that's why I say it depends about the goal is, is the goal to produce a thousand clones a week so you're meeting your clone orders? Again, mm -hmm. that's a different yeah, goal. Exactly. That's not a good that's, angle to do, is yeah, it? Yeah, you can pay someone minimum to, wage to, to produce clones. that many clones. That, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Micropropagation is usually relegated to difficult to propagate crops. Mm -hmm. Cannabis just is not that. And, you know, realistic, like I do, I go, I go to, on consults all the time, people want tissue culture labs, and I find myself talking producers out of it all the time. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I don't, unless you need 50,000 plants a month, why? You know, I mean, I think at some point, definitely we're going to see well, these big the producers the probably outsourcing will. of clones. Yeah. yeah, and that'll come quicker than you think, obviously. Well, I it think, will, yeah. and, and in the horticulture industry, I, I, in my experience, this is, um, you know, you... You buy, you know, sometimes they do their own propagation, but a lot of times they're actually purchasing their orders, right? And I so think, you can have a breeding house. Yeah, I think house it'll be like the strawberry industry, goal, which right? is strawberries are very similar to cannabis, and that strawberries are also very easy to propagate tr traditionally, but they're prone to a bunch of diseases mm -hmm. that even though you can grow them perennially, we grow them as short season animals, just annuals, just like cannabis. They suffer from botrytis, they suffer from spider mites and powdery mildew. Um, and in California, I think there's a great model already. There's a, a publicly funded lab that hosts about 50 species of, of strawberries. It used to be culture and provides those plants. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and then there's a privately funded lab that has like another couple of hundred. And, you know, I, I think we're going to see that in cannabis where, especially in states like Washington, where you're, you're limited to canopy space, you can start to convince people that even the numbers add up to outsource your, your clones. Mm -hmm. Right to get your clones from a nursery where they're using right. tissue culture to produce disease-free stock that has increased vigor, and I, I've seen it myself. I mean, these plants literally grow twice as fast out of out of micropropagation, and there's there's data to support that. They they have higher photosynthetic rates as well. Um, well, and then you know the silver so yeah, bullet. I think a lot of this of research. Time. I mean, the, the legal status makes still. it difficult. Yeah, I think the research. Right, and still the legal status makes it difficult to visualize a large nursery distributing clones, but sooner or later it will happen. I think, you know, it might, I, I, I just think that it, it's, it's easier for a nursery who's, you know, selling clones by the truckload to commercial facilities for them to fund and, and run a tissue culture lab than it is for someone who only needs, you know, a couple of thousand plants every few months. I, uh, I recently have been talking to a group who's looking to do exactly that with uh, hemp and CBD, and they're bringing in uh just making millions of tissue cultured uh, clones and, you know, pumping them out across the country. And they're planning on doing that by next year. Right. Um, you know, and they have the funding. How do they, tra they travel well? I don't or know. Are coolers right. or what are you going to do? Right. That's, you know, and that comes back to, you know, the whole reason why I kind of wanted to do this show and bring all you guys together is, you know, Adam and I have been talking about tissue culture for some time. <laughs> and people are always asking us at panels or just asking us in general about tissue culture. And we always just laugh and we're like, eh, you know, like everybody always tells us, oh, we just built this room for $70,000 and eh, what are you going to do with it? You know, yeah, and it's think about all the clones you could already yeah. make 70,000 bucks. You know, you see, you, you've it's seen made a million clones already done. You yeah, see, I, I, I make it a med kitchen mm -hmm. right 
And it's you, and you've seen a lot of yeah. people trying to do it, and nobody. Some you know you can get roots, you can get a little bit of growth, but you know making a plant inside of a vessel and adapting it to a new environment. Oh, it's an art. It, it is an art form, there's, there's absolutely. An art I disagree. That it's just it's like a, growing. I mean, it's growing on a really tiny scale. You're just you're growing a garden in, in a jar, aseptically. Certainly. No, I, I, I disagree. Actually, uh, as far as the art, because it really oh, just scientists disagreeing. <laughs> science. Disagree with science. science. But this is why Eric and I enjoy uh, working together. No, but um, I do think that yeah. it is. Uh, the research has to be done, and so the reason why micropropagation is so successful in the orchid industry or in horticulture or even in pharmaceuticals is you just have to conduct the experiments, and that's where this industry hasn't had that possibility yet until just now. And so there are various experiments that need to be done, and I also think that there are multiple ways to do micropropagation and, and, and different types of vessels. And so one more um, natural way to think about this. Well, to reach the scale for, to reach the scale, you know, of, of like, to, to, to get anywhere near like 10,000 to 50,000 plants a month, you're looking at temporary immersion systems like a CETUS reactor or something like that. And then now you're talking like, that not a hundred thousand dollar lab or two hundred thousand dollar lab, but a three or four hundred thousand because every rack of a Cetus reactor costs twenty twenty five thousand. Well, actually, I wasn't going there, so Eric. What it's I'm bringing hard to find. Uh, what I'm, what I was actually yeah. bringing up is, um, we were talking about, you know, the hardening off and the acclimation and and to be able to do it. So there's sure. a, a different forms of micropropagation, and I'm not even talking big farm or doing anything uh, bioreactor, but uh, photoautotrophic micropropagation, and and for those organic okay, growers sure. out there, is 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 one approach to doing micropropagation is optional but again the R&D has to be done and so that gets to your right. point and so what's so good about and why I bring this up is you're now growing these cultures and they're still in a vessel but instead of um, a sealed vessel it's actually a ventilated vessel you crank up the CO2 you have a little bit higher light mm -hmm. no so, sugar yeah so the plants are creating their own sugar as opposed to so, exogenous. And, uh, and, and what we see yeah. with that, and I uh, did this with the orchids uh, that I was uh, mentioning just a little bit earlier, you have higher success with rooting, you have better stomatal conductance, you have a waxy cuticle that develops in culture, and now your acclimation phase, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's going to be, uh, and you're going to have higher um, uh, take and, and success and viability in those things. So mm -hmm. I think that there are so many options, again, it just requires you know, the work and the effort. And, and so most of us out there growing, we're actually, you know, kids got to yeah, make a living. Yeah, concept for a lot and, of And then it, it takes space. The low-hanging fruit is there, but you have to actually... And it, yeah, and it takes space. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, so one of the things that we talk a lot when we're doing the consulting or people approach us, and I'm sure you've been asked this question a lot, it's like, okay, do I need moms? So another option, and again, you just definitely need moms. I, I like to think of it as a raid drive. That's why I was saying earlier is like people think that tissue culture is this magical thing where I can just take my plants, put them in a room, in a jar, and forget about it. Really, every two or three weeks, someone has to subculture those. There's a lot of maintenance involved with it. And I personally wouldn't, I mean, I like to think of like a raid drive for networking. You know, you, if you're going to back up your plants this way, you need to have three to five okay. stages of tissue culture for each strain just to have any reasonable semblance of security. Um, and I also would keep living plants 
uh, you have to constantly refresh micropropagation stocks with new <clears throat> X plants, or else you know after ten ten subcultures, things can definitely get, start to get weird. I, I've I've, so, I've only subcultured a few strains out to like that that uh, point ten times, but you know you, you definitely are going to want to refresh your stock at, at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and it's you know nature does make things way easier than trying <laughs> to like completely drop it from the picture when you're like, eh, you know, we'll just stick it in a freezer. It'll be fine. Same with seeds. I mean, the amazing part about seeds is like the ones that are not frozen, even not in a fridge temper necessarily, but just kept at a really steady temperature, whether it be 40 or 50 or whatever, as long as it's not too, too hot, those things last 20, 30 years, no problem. You know what I mean? And you just look at the beauty of that Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, you know, there's certain things that are like, okay, this is this is why we have this. And when it comes to propagating clones, you know, the, the plant does if it like like you said before, some plants are good, some plants are bad. If I have a plant that's really really bad, it has to be really 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 good to even want to keep it around because for me that's like the most frustrating part of the whole thing. If I have to waste tray after tray and to get like more than ten percent or twenty percent. The, there's it, no yeah. point in keeping that right, no matter how good it is. But there's a few that sometimes you're like, just God, that's your good. craft right there, your <laughs> your craft brew, so to speak, maybe. Yeah, this, but, the, the lack of success is your success. Cryopreservation <laughs> is another hot topic that everyone loves to talk about. You know, and I, I've I think I've had some success with cold storage of cultures, and you know, sodium alginate encapsulation or like synthetic seeds can definitely be stored at colder temperatures for like up to 15 weeks and still be generated. Um, and the word on the street is that I met Dr. Lada, who did the original 2009 <laughs> TDZ micropropagation paper and the Metatopal in 2016 paper. She uh, has informed me um, at the meeting that they hopefully hope you're going to be speaking at the, the Society for Vitro Biology. Oh, I look forward to that. Uh, I spoke with her this year and she's going to be hopefully doing, they're, they're going to be publishing a cryo paper, I think, possibly this year. That's the word on the street. Mm-hmm. Very good. Cool. <sighs> What, what date is that? Yeah, yeah that, that? I know. The in vitro conference, Eric, is that in um, June? I think it's in Missouri this year. Yeah, not, not I like, think it's in June. It was in, two years ago. It was in San Diego this year. We were in Missouri. I guess they, they grow a lot of corn out there, I guess. So. <laughs> Definitely fascinating. <laughs> corn. Mm. They, they're just into cannabis for the money. They just want our money. Right. That's what they all want. They're like, you know, everywhere, every, this is like, they'll be like the guys in Miami who were telling me about how much cocaine they brought in. Yeah. You guys will be like, you see all that corn? That used to be just marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody will come out of the woodwork. Well, you know? The crazy thing is, there's so many scientists. When I went to the meetings, there's all these scientists that, that like, they're not in corn. You know, they probably <laughs> got into the, the plant sciences because they, they smoked weed back in the, yeah. in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're all really excited about it. I mean, I've got like half a dozen you know, people from like Pioneer AgriScience online that as soon as we get the, 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 as soon as we build it, they will come, you know? So that's why I'm really excited to sit down with you at some point in the future, hope and figure out how we can work together to build some sort of uh, cannabis biotech. Yeah, we see a lot of unsolicited uh, resumes of people trying to get into the, to the science of it. So that's, that's sure. definitely true. And I'm looking forward to it. And for yeah. everyone to be a fly on the wall during that conversation with Eric and I, I'm sure is going to be <laughs> <laughs> worthy. 
Um, but I, I, I do think... No, we'll have to make everybody sign NDAs. NDAs, there you go. That seems to be anything. what we yeah. do in our industry. <laughs> but I, I, I do think, and the reason why I'm excited to, to work with Eric and other people in this industry, and I think we were talking about earlier, it's not a super secret, right? I mean... There are nutrient formulations, there are plant growth regulations. I mean, there are things that can be trademarked as far as or patented based off of developing protocols, but it's what you do with it. Mm. And again, it's what's the goal? And is there something that you need to rescue? Can we teach you then doing uh, embryonic rescue? Um, and that's a procedure, right? Mm -hmm. so there's something you really want to rescue or if that's something that's really tough to do across, can we help you do um, crosses, you know, protocols? protoplast fusions and do hybrid crosses in that way that makes it a little bit more unique and it's faster and it's more turnaround you know right. freezing breeding for recessive traits is going to be, be a really fun. big thing absolutely yeah because and that, that's where almost all of the pathogen resistance sound like in a rabidopsis are recessive traits and no one is breeding cannabis for recessive traits <laughs> it's almost always just trying to collect as many valuable dominant traits that we want into one plant and usually when that works it's because we combined a bunch of dominant traits that are compatible with each other Hybrid um, but no one's really dabbled into yeah. breeding for recessive yeah anything. i think that's a definitely so that a, will be a misused word you know you hear breeders like oh it's recessive and it's yeah, like and recessive yeah, just it's means it's, it's, for I, what? it popped up it pops up <laughs> and you have no idea where the fuck it came from that's pretty much <laughs> recessive usually it's it like, means it's it no segregated idea. yeah I have no fucking idea. I always tell people... It no. means that it, the gene only expresses itself if there's two copies. So mm -hmm. if there's another copy that, that codes for something else that's dominant, you'll never see those recessive traits. What mm -hmm. tissue culture can enable is you to grow a haploid plant, which only has one allele for every loci. And by doing that, you see recessive traits. So you can literally grow a pollen grain into a plant. You can mm -hmm. grow an embryo into a plant. And that plant will not hide any of its recessive traits and then yeah, i don't want to get too into it but oh, yeah that, that, it's that, that, juicy that's <laughs> 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 why i said you guys you know, DA, i know DA. you're all like wanting to be a fly on the wall when we talk no. more but I, I there are a lot of possibilities but you're i wanted oh, yeah, to hear more about from you guys um some of the you know Question why marks, you yeah. think uh, and have giggled about this technology for so long, and then now why are you curious from your perspectives if, if it's possible? Hey, I've always been fascinated with tissue culturing. I mm -hmm. think it's a, it's, it's a fascinating technology. And after I started growing, I you know started doing a lot more research about botany and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, in vitro, blah, 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 and how can it be applied? And you know, I looked into it, and then, you know, what, like, what, Breeder Steve, wasn't it him who was trying to take, like, the top 100 clones, and then he was trying to sell them worldwide in clap capsules, right? Mm -hmm. And that was, that was his goal, was to be, you know, psh, psh, here you go, you want Jack's Cleaner, you want Apollo 13, whatever, you know, this is it, psh. Um, he pissed off a lot of readers, but then he realized that he was breaking international law with his, uh, you know, his shipping plants across uh, international borders, and that uh, plan went in the ground, and I think there was a lot of problems with what he was planning too. You know, are you actually going to be able to grow a plant out of a capsule? You know, that so, you know, an plant sitting in gel is it going to work? You know, mm -hmm. and the average home grower who buys one of those, are they really going to be able to do, make that happen? No. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I think that's where Eric, people like myself and Eric would be very anxious to participate. Is okay. So as this market grows, as more individuals become uh, knowledgeable, they may not want to do the tissue culture themselves. But if you do get a vessel, what do you do with it? And that is something that we absolutely can help growers be able to know because it's yeah, the same as when you're ordering your, cuttings. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And, and I think you know yeah, people. I, I could see most production facilities having a, a, a lab-ish uh, acclimation area to receive tissue culture plants and so harvest them off. Well. Certainly, that makes sense. of course. Because they do ship well, and eventually, once we can ship across state lines. But you mentioned also um, the the hemp growers. So more and more states that pass the hemp bills because of the Farming Act. Those agriculture, so those state agriculture agencies and those universities, you can ship, which is why you have the certified seed. Certified seed stock. So then yeah. you can actually ship across state lines. Yeah. So again, from that perspective, for and those, and those guys do need fifty thousand, hundred thousand, yeah. exactly. 10, 000, and so. you think about yeah, the encapsulation. The, the problem I see with hemp and tissue culture is that most hemp is going to want to be field sown. Yeah, so that's what I'm bringing up. So the idea that you want to have a uh, cultivar that is going to constantly produce 0.3% or less. But that's the key to the whole thing, yeah. And, and the certified seed, there's been um, shortages is, mm. is another um, complexity that they're dealing with. And if you wanted to do the encapsulation, you can actually then still use the same farming equipment to be able to sow those encapsulated seeds. And then they know instead of like seeds... I think the you can know that you have a clone that is mm -hmm. going to produce something of that profile that you know is always going to test below 0.3%. Sure. So I think... Right. There's a lot of potential, too, with the... Like, depending on how the regulation goes, that states like, I think, Pennsylvania and maybe Maine, where you have to... Where you're forced to start from seed, if you could get elite genetics... Because that's the thing, I mean, right. there's, like, dozens of proven commercially viable strains, and mm -hmm. if you're... I mean, anyone who started up, you know seeds will tell you like it's pretty much like winning the lottery i mean you could start up ten thousand seeds and not find anything as good as the growth loop. so if you can provide someone with a legal workaround for having to start from seed by saying oh this synthetic seed is a seed so you, we need some lawyers mm -hmm. some, some good old-fashioned uh know a few you know, of those lobbying right I think in general, yeah. <laughs> in general, what Hope was asking is, uh, you know, Adam and I have been, we always kind of snicker about tissue culture. Yeah, it's fascinating. You just don't well, see just people really applying it all. And, and then the people who do talk about it the most are the people who you know definitely don't do it. And right. they're like telling you how they do or it. Or they want to sell kits. And um, meet. Yeah, they bought something online and they're like showing you and you're like telling you how successful it is. And I'm like, really? Like, you know. I had a few. I had a bunch over the years. And I was always like, that was always for me, like, oh, you know, kind of, because as a breeder, it was like, especially in Holland, because everybody I had this assumption that in Holland, everybody was somehow doing some something different than just crossing plants. Like, they thought everyone, everything was scientific. I was like, dude, we're talking about, like, dudes just doing normal crossing. <laughs> like, there was no, nothing weird going down. A couple guys taking it kind of seriously, like Watson and those guys. But even they no success like i asked them about it they were like yeah we get to this certain point blah, it doesn't go any further so i can say from experience one of the reasons why take it to a certain point is not knowing what you're getting into to get started and i can say this from experience so doing tissue culture in the cannabis industry mm -hmm. um the very first place one of the first places that um, i was a part of they they're like turn the kitchen into a lab and and so 
you know, it's only going to be, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Well, it's, it's again, knowing what you're, what the goal is and what yeah. you're doing. And so if you do it half-ass sure. and not be able to truly do the researcher's un, uh, unrealistic expectations, mm-hmm. um, oh, mm-hmm. let's focus this money on processing instead because we know how to do that. And mm-hmm. so I think there's just um, a building of the knowledge base. And then once that you have clear demonstration of successful propagation on a large scale, mm-hmm. then I think you're going to start seeing a little bit of a shift and in, in that possibility for being able to do everything we've talked about right now. Because again, for the cannabis industry, it is very new. Right. It is not new in all of other horticulture. I mean, uh, huge production facilities. No, One of my colleagues- It's not really new, like getting back to what Adam was saying, it's not really new in, in Successful tissue culture is new in the, in the cannabis space. Tissue yeah, culture yeah. itself, like Bill Graham, Microclone, he's been selling kits for 20 yeah, years. Yeah. The, the problem is, is like you said, Hope, that, that these recipes are fairly, you know, you can just Google Scholar right now and come up with a half dozen recipes that will work for cannabis tissue culture. The real challenge is the technique, the art, the, the art of aseptic. You know, most people fail at the aseptic technique. And yeah. Bill Graham, that isn't his strong point, is teaching people aseptic technique. And honestly, that's where most people fail. Mm-hmm. And that's you the most important and, part. You know, and it's, it's, like, it's like growing it mushrooms, is, too. Is. Same with mushrooms. Everybody's exactly. like, so yeah. easy. You're like, well, do it, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden they try and it's like fail, yeah. fail, fail. And wasted a lot of money and then yeah. that's going to be, but, you know, what's... And then all of a sudden the you find a guy who can do it and then he gives it's you something that's ready to go. It's one of the few things that OCD is a Now I'm a genius. It's like a clone. It's you know? a septic technique. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, that is, it, it's key. It's key. And so to do it on a small scale, like Eric was saying, I, I mean, absolutely right. would, okay, why? Why would you want to? Hmm. Um we can teach you how to do it. We can teach you and train you to have that. And I don't, it doesn't require degrees to do tissue culture by any means. And you can actually take people who are interested in learning the technique. And you can be trained just like mm-hmm. the good chefs in, in, in processing are not necessarily chemists. But, boy, they sure shit became chemists right. because of their passion mm-hmm. and, and, and the goal, reaching the goal, making the best extract, et cetera. So yeah, the same again, is going to be goes- true here. A lot of that goes back to uh, training of just moving in the right direction, not wasting time, and just being like the flow is right, and also in the right order, you know what I mean? Because if you don't do things in the right order, just like, uh, you know, a little sloppy here, a little sloppy there, which doesn't help in any kind of, if you're real. not much wiggle room. Yeah, there's not, and you can't really play around with that kind of stuff, so, and and that's that's never been our... Our sort of focal point as a starter. But anyone with like a, a, a science focused bachelor degree mm-hmm. where they've done microbiology has the skill set. From you know that that's the foundation. Of that. You know, and I, I think that's you know aseptic technique is really I think the the biggest. Yeah, the that's the hurdle, hurdle right there. Successive. Well, yeah. the good the good part yeah. is that now that people are open about it, you can find a failed pharmaceutical company or something like that that has all built-in clean rooms that are really ready to go and you can just kind of bring it in like don't don't even try to waste your time trying to build it yourself because you can probably buy into a place that already has a, well they you know, have auctions and so a lot of my yeah, I see uh, a lot of auctions too they're uh, great a lot of my consulting is has I mean, been with helping with people is is um i've been helping them design a facility and what are the considerations, what are the rooms, what should the workflow be? And, mm-hmm. and you know, this book that we talked about at the beginning of the show does a great job explaining why that's important. 
but you really do need a translation from, um, I'm obviously not an architect, but I can figure out the software programs. I mm -hmm. know exactly what the workflow should be, why it should be that way, prepare for build out if you want to expand and scale up. And then they can take that drawing to their architects and their, their right. contractors, right? And so if, if it's something you want to do, we can help you get there. Um, we can help train, we can help do that, you know, transition and help you acclimate to that ability, but there's no need to rush necessarily. Um, I know Eric and I would like to do it all the time, and that's because the research just needs to be done, and then turn it out there and see what we can do with it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> I mean, people finally get a chance to do the kind of things that we snickered about, so that's good, because that's like half of it was because of the fact that we knew who's going to waste their time, and who's going to Who's going to waste that money? Because at the end of the day, you will waste to get to the sort of comfortable zone where. Oh, it's the bleeding edge of cannabis for sure. And, and every time you, <laughs> yeah. every time you sort That's of true, yeah. get to a certain goal, it's only by sacrifice. Because at the same time, you're not like it's not the money machine, in my opinion. Just because also the fact that we know how difficult it is when it leaves your hands and goes into their hands, and then well, the, well, the fuck will they do with it? You know what I mean? And if people are. Once they get adept to that and you get that really like the receiving end gets figured out, people have like a real easy way for you to, you, you give it to them, they go in their little incubator, then their incubator actually throws down roots and makes it into something that they see as a plant. And well, go, the oh, thing shit. is, though, is that it's like there's a really good review by Smolder in 2010 that kind of is an overview of the, of the molecular genetics behind the epigenetic rejuvenation. I mean, that, that's the other thing is you have to subculture at least twice to see that rejuvenation, mm -hmm. I, in my experience. Um, but. And a lot of time you want to subculture anyway because you're trying to increase numbers. So right. it's it's a win-win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you want that multiplication. Well, what, what, on that note, what, is, what sort of multiplication rates have you seen? Um, because as far as I know, no one's really gotten past like 3 to 5x multiplication with micropropagation in cannabis. Well, and I will say that there wasn't a need to do that necessarily because the multiplication um, that I see, even just from the first pass, I mean, the scaling is, is awesome. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then everyone's been so anxious. So I haven't had the opportunity to do that experiment. Yeah, I think the workaround for it is that, you know, since there is such a low multiplication rate, that's why I've gone to the production of tissue culture clone mothers following the dark heart model, um, their lablets. Um, because the epigenetic rejuvenation persists for up like, to about eight you to could, ten. You can clone that plant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so there really isn't a, a need to give producers tissue culture plants. But, you know, it's 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 just it's not necessary. If anything, um, what about what about? Like, but anyway, that's just my take on it. What about um, instead of uh, using like leaf that we're normally used to, and and going more like hybrid sort of. Uh, style where you would get your plant almost about to root and have it really bubbling a little bit, and then slice off a couple of those, and then can you grow from that and then make it like cheat a little bit? Well, micropropagation is is shoot culture, so you're you're yeah. you're starting with you're basically like micro cloning. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you want to use as little start with as little material as possible. Callus cultures are formed from like petioles or leaf tissue, and the problem with callus culture is that you you have an increased risk of what what Hope mentioned earlier of genetic drift, some clonal variation, mm -hmm. right? Because in nature, meristems have numerous cells within the meristem, and if anything deleterious happens to one of those cells, 
the other cells will, will replace it. Mm-hmm. Um, with when you, when you regenerate an entire plant from callus, you're regenerating an entire plant from one cell. If there's any mutations or changes in that cell, it's going to affect the, the, that, that plant forever. That can be a benefit. We yeah, have I was about to say, that guy sounds awesome. Let's start doing a whole bunch off of those. It, it, it can't like Right, if that's what like, you're going for. Or yeah. if you're trying to genetically transform plants and you need to, de- you need to derive the entire plant from one cell. Right. But, but micropropagation is, is, is the, 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 the goal is, is shoot proliferation without intervening callus. Once you have callus tissue, your plant, you're, you're already kind of falling off the bike so to speak that's kind of and, that, and that's what i always seen back in the day my friends always showed me stuff and i'd be like how's that you know it's like it looks so terrible it was like I do all callus that, um, callus culture cal- looks cool yeah well, it looks cal- weird but there is a way to do callus culture and again um uh just going back to the industry and orchids and um other uh crops um especially when it comes to uh, like bananas and and other crops. So there is a way to do callus culturing so it remains differentiated, so to speak. Basically, you're just breaking down into individual cells, but it's not becoming undifferentiated. So it's not reverting to meristematic necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, Right, but you still have the same problem where if something happens to that cell, you've now affected the entire line. Right. And most people in cannabis want to maintain the integrity. Their goal in archiving is to maintain the integrity 100%, if not improve the integrity. So I just don't see callus culture as being a, you know, super, it, it's cool and it has its applications in other areas, but as far as the propagation of the plant, I don't really see it as being a viable, you know, route. I just wanted to explain so that way there is possibility to be able to do it, and then again, it depends on the goal and the question, right? And so I think that there And also, be- I don't think anyone, has anyone had direct organogenesis from callus tissue and cannabis? I don't, I don't think they have. Um, you know, I think that, that that's still kind of uh, the the sword in the stone. Working on. Um, I've seen lots of people do like hairy root cultures and right, um, but I mean the, the the paper that just came out uh, in in Lada's book, they were unsuccessful. They had to publish their hairy root culture. They weren't able to recover any actual plants from the callus cultures. Um, they they saw green nodules that <laughs> looked like they would be viable, but were unsuccessful in, in in actually establishing direct organogenesis from undifferentiated cells. Just a matter of time. Matter I of mean, time. I mean, I I I I'm yeah. pretty confident I'm going to be the one to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch my feed. Twenty two. Yeah, it's coming. Um, I'll show you. I, I you know we we definitely should uh, corroborate on the. Yeah, more science side of it at some point. It'll be fun. It'll be. And so all the, and, and all his techniques, you think, will be uh, app- <coughs> applicable in space or what? Absolutely, Good. absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, the cool one of the coolest things I learned when uh, we were doing the uh, research with plants in space is I, um, the initial idea and the reason why it was questionable: can you grow plants in space? Is the orientation and gravity. So mm-hmm. lack of gravity, right? And so one of the best things that was uh, gained from all of those experiment, uh, experiments, actually, when they would go up in shuttles, and um, mm-hmm. there was one uh, project that just finished up when I was uh, started there. It's called the Pesto Project, and basically it wasn't, you know, they were not doing, you know, pine or anything, but they were doing, um, I, I believe it was wheat. But they've known for a while that you could, but they couldn't figure out the mechanism because they thought there's these little granules in the cell. Mm-hmm. They're called uh, amyoplasts, and, and they settle to the bottom of the cell. And, and here in the experiments that were done before seem to, if you changed the orientation of the plant, the granules would 
also realigned to be on the bottom of that cell. Mm -hmm. So they thought um, the gravity, the lack of gravity, how would the roots know to grow down and how will the shoot know to grow up? I mean, it's an interesting question, right? Mm -hmm. So it seems to be obviously more driven by light. Um, is some of the very cool experiments that, that they were able to demonstrate. And then even if um, light was exposed to the rooting area, well, we know because of tissue culture that, you know, sometimes it's dark uh, media and, and that kind of simulates, you know, a more soil-like mm -hmm. environment, but you don't necessarily need that. And the roots still know to grow down, but that's the genetic programming that um, to a certain extent Eric was bringing up, the ability to be able to differ, uh, to become... Um, a specific cell type. So even though if you might just Plus start from a cut and, and then be able to, uh, yeah, the totipotency. So any cell of a plant mm -hmm. typically has the ability to become any type of tissue. So that's why tissue culture works. That's why roots know to grow down because that was the, okay, that's the programming that we got and now they're going to grow down, but it seems to be more light dependent than gravity dependent. So yeah, I think that we should be growing cannabis in space. Absolutely. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, actually the other cool thing, um, these um, acronyms uh, that NASA puts out, they would actually have meetings to come up with, you know, a sexy acronym. <laughs> I shouldn't be telling this, but... <laughs> because, juicy. because they want the media to grab onto it, pesto, or, yeah, yeah. you know, they want it to be something that's memorable. And so the individuals that I worked with, I was mentioning uh, Bios O'Neill Urio, shout out. Um, a lot of those acronyms actually sound very scientific, and they come up with and fill in the acronym so it makes sense, you know, uh, some sort of, t you know, name yeah. of the experiment, but really it's all based off of Grateful Dead songs. And so that's the original that's acronym awesome. meaning, yeah. but they know that, but the yeah. general public doesn't oh. know that where that comes. So I know they would love to grow cannabis in space because that's what drives them too, you know, and that's why the lighting experiments were important Sure. to be able to understand that the different colors of light. And I'm sure Eric, you're seeing different growth patterns. I know I have um, based off of certain types of light, temperature and gas exchange seem to be really important uh, when it comes to uh, culturing cannabis in my, in my hands here. Certain lights, certain mm -hmm. wavelengths, gas exchange, if it's too warm, too Yeah, hot. red light definitely helps with rooting, you know, hmm. yeah, definitely. So all those tricks actually, that you guys um, already use yeah. is, 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 is something that we have to consider in culture as well. Yeah, it, I mean, it's noticeable too when you're uh, growing, like if you're making a lot of clones, and you you want to you just hang one you use a light uh, flower food and you would use mm -hmm. uh, a phosphorus bulb instead of a metal halide just because the rooting metal halide is kind of it makes it a good leaf but it doesn't really make a good root you know? <laughs> so it's always like kind of just by learning on our own right. in our own Absolutely. little way that was uh it was it was like if you want to slow it down you go to do it the way you're supposed to, it's supposed to do it. <laughs> and then you do the it way the, you know it works. And then do it the way that you kind of hack job. And the hack job, it went quicker, but it was like everything was a little stressed, a little different too, because it went rooted real fast. And yeah. a lot of times they didn't have much top things happening. And so people, and in Holland, people just cloned. They got one plant, cloned the hell out of it. And many disaster stories with people <laughs> selling males or, you know, Hermes and males and all sorts of things because they didn't pay attention. So mm -hmm. it's like kind of slow people down sometimes <laughs> well the genetics um that's that's going to be one of the um important factors of why tissue culture i think for cannabis industry is going to become important and that's because of 
the mess with the genetics right now. I mean, the idea, okay, strain names, we know that that's an issue, but as we talked about at the beginning of the show here, the idea that there's a lot of viruses and pathogens out there, whether or not you, it's always um, symptomatic, but do you want to be buying and, and going and getting new genetics and then all of a sudden you're going to have a problem? Uh, you want to make sure that if you are getting new genetics, you don't have to necessarily just go to the black market because every other reputable source is, is selling shit. So mm -hmm. it's important to have good, clean stock to be able to start with and be oh, able a, to have a successful growth. It's a so. great starting point, of course, and especially if you can be certified and you'll have a date that it was made and a date that it actually went out the door and it makes, you know, the, you know exactly where you're coming from. And that's what a lot of people kind of need because they mm -hmm. have to be completely transparent. And they, you know, it, in a way, it's also getting to the point, too, yep. where everybody with the names and stuff, it's, it will be a lot more labeling just because you can't, you can't uh, you get too far down the rabbit hole and then find out you're not allowed to do it because they changed the rules again and said, now it can't be anything that sounds fun at all. Like <laughs> This has got a fun sound. We don't like it no fun. So it must be like E3113286. Yeah. You don't need a permit to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, and also for a lot of times, for safety reasons too, people are going to start to not name things just because they don't want to pay for fucking um, licensing. Licensing. And, and when I, it comes, comes I think the disruptive nature of cannabis micropropagation is going to be in the development of, like, you know, like Hope was saying, if you can index plants and hand people a tabula rasa, a clean slate of genetic material and they have the SOPs in their facility to maintain the integrity of those plants yep. can be a game changer. Yep, absolutely. You're gonna see, you know, yeah. the, the the quality, the the, the lack of you know, less dependence on pesticides. And you're gonna you're gonna see it offset the cost. You might have to pay a higher premium for the tissue culture plants, but you're gonna see a reduction in increasing yield. Uh, the the ability to maintain your quality and have less inputs and labor and I mean we all know the what's available you know if you get if you have a pest problem in cannabis right now you, it, the labor input is huge oh, because we don't really have anything that's super effective as a one one shot treatment like a translaminar miticide doesn't exist so you're pretty much you know, looking at dumping thousands and thousands of dollars into limping along with these problems. So if you can start out clean and then maintain that integrity through the process, and that's the other beautiful part. If you outsource your clones, you only need to keep them healthy for two or three months versus mm -hmm. years. Right. And what about, um, like, a, say somebody has a library and they're trying to maintain it, and in the long run, is there going to be a, you think there'll be any kind of value in, like, maintaining and holding somebody's library for X amount per year because that is, the, mm -hmm. like you said, every two weeks they got to go and kind of keep rolling and keep it going, but that'd be like some big money right there. Well, look at what happened in California with the fires. So what happens if, for whatever reason, a natural disaster happens mm. right. and you've lost everything? Sure. Um, it would be, for me, I would feel very, very good if I knew I had a, a genetic bank somewhere. And I do think... Yeah, I think a hybrid system. Yeah. What do you mean by a hybrid system? Right. Hope. Like, like you know, not just relying exclusively on... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, Both. absolutely. You know, having... Yeah, having yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. Oh, yeah, you, yeah would need, you would need access to all the material so you would be able to keep it going. But that's the idea, like, uh, yeah. kind of have every stage ready to go, and that way they can go, oh, I need this, but oh, I need that. I need Shit happens. 
It does. It would be, as, as be a pretty well crafted contract for liability, though. Oh my god! Yeah, sure it would be, it'd be a rough one. It'd be, uh, it'd be, uh, it wouldn't be cheap. That's for sure. It'd be like one of those ones where you could finally name your yeah. price. You know what I mean? You'd be like, now I have all your genetics. They'd <laughs> 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 just be like, we'll, we'll securely back up your stuff, but we're not responsible if something goes wrong. Our pr- <laughs> and our prices are going up. Can we get that? Our prices are going up. Talk to our lawyer. The lawyers Bye. are thinking about it right now. <laughs> and that, that's the biggest thing I see with tissue culturing and, and offering a service like that is just, you know, are you willing to give up your IP to mm-hmm. somebody else to hold on to? And are, how do you know that they're not going to turn around and be like, you know, and. Which is why do I think we do cameras, the cameras we built can into help your, you do that, yeah. and I'm you can store, store your did own. You, did you hear about Amazon with their oh, Amazon yeah. Key idea? What? No, I'm not. Oh, yeah, going into your house? I was like, that's the same thing. I was like, yeah. you know, it's like if you're going <laughs> to let people go into your house from Amazon just because you like, think it's easier and cheaper, uh-huh. and you're like, hey, yeah, people steal my shit sometimes. Well, I'll just let Amazon in. But they have a camera. The idea is that they'll have a special camera to set up so that everybody can see what the fuck's going on. So well, I think one of here. the ways that people will, will have the security of that will be, I mean, you, you can use PCR to generate, you know, strain-specific markers like fingerprints, so to speak, uh-huh. and you can sort of... You know, you can even take dried plant material from a store and see if it's your strain or not. Right. So, you know, that's all doable, but we're not quite there yet. But Phyllo's genetics, I'm sure, is, you know, they're, they're, they're barreling down that path pretty quickly. Certainly. You know, and, and let's, so let's bring it back to that topic. You know, I, I've been there in Portland with Phyllo's for a while. And, and just the people in general, I've been telling people, you know, all of the sex test kits, let's just go and rub, you know, our leaves in these folders and give them to back to these companies. And nothing against phyllos or those services, but you are giving living cells back. And that kind of comes back to what you were just talking about. Yeah, you need one living cell to resurrect that tissue culture. And even though, you know, how, how the good question. So how far-fetched out is that right now? So the, when I say living cell needs to be harvested in the right conditions. Right, so, Not exactly. Yeah, so even it, from a lab. Right, from a having, culture vessel. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, there is some protection there, but when we talk about the gene bank, which is why you're bringing this up, right? Mm-hmm. So if uh, it's frozen away, sure, it's possible. So I do think that um, there are legitimate concerns for protecting intellectual property, but I do also think that there are ways around that. Um, and uh, this, again, is done. And it's just a matter of working out those procedures and those understandings. And there's no reason in the world why you couldn't actually establish your own genetic mm-hmm. bank. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't need to be le- kept on your grow premise, right? Mm-hmm. And so you could hire people to actually do it for you, but you store it. So I think that would be maybe a transition um, because until everyone gets comfortable with how to to be able to do that testing, right? So... There's a lot of labs right now, even if it's legal in the state, may not handle cannabis. So that now we're talking about more laboratory equipment, more expertise, and more of those issues. So I think right now, for us to help you be able to generate your own genetic bank, let you know that you need a minus 80, here's the procedures, the protocols, you own that. And then... Yeah, I mean, extracting DNA from plant tissue is just like making really complicated macaroni and cheese. You know, there's kits that you can get that literally they give you all the solutions, all the all the equipment. All you need is a, a micro centrifuge and some and some micro pipetters and a little bit of knowledge. You know, a little bit of science knowledge, like being able to convert molarity and things like that. And and you know, for any college graduate, science, you know, bachelor of science could probably do that for you. 
Um, it's what you do with the extracted DNA that's the question. You know, what, 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 what are you? What or are what you? you what do you do with the the cells? So, I think um, for you as a breeder, what would be your goal if you could do this? I mean, tissue culture as a breeder, a it's archiving, right, and preservation, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. having clean mother plants. Clean. Those are the three essential things that yeah. I want. Yeah. Um, and then um, it's Impossible. fascinating when you look at the Possible. potential of breeding in vitro. Yeah. That is absolutely, you know, that's that next level thing of let's do marker assisted breeding. Let's mm-hmm. speed up the process and mm-hmm. yeah, and also just like for. The things we reinforce what we already think we already know and or blow us like, oh, I never even knew that. But for the most part, hoping that is like you think you got this thing that you, uh, you know, when you talk about like recessive, like we were saying earlier, like if you grew it enough times, you're going to know there's like one out of a, to whatever that pops up. And it's like, that's the one. Actually. You harvest and, that one and you and grab then, it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's pretty and, awesome. That and even true breeding, talking with Mogli from Phytlos, you know, we've had this discussion. He, he's like, true breeding does not exist. Mm-hmm. You know, what, who was breeding anything true? You know, and you see that in a galaxy. What, you know, everything is way over here, and maybe only a you know couple varieties are over far on the left. To where oh, there's no homozygous. Yeah, there, there's, yeah, not. there's no. There's not. And that's that's exciting though. It is. That's no one's seen true hybrid vigor in cannabis yet, right? <laughs> so <laughs> tissue culture actually is the quickest way to get to. Right. I mean, you're you're pretty. You're talking like a hundred percent homozygous, like mm-hmm, like right. a mirror image. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that that's I, you know no one's uh, to that point yet. I mean, that's going to be sort of, you know, down the road with uh, direct organogenesis from callus culture. It's good to but have goals. But it's something goals. I would like to... <laughs> the R&D... Yeah. R&D you know, you, can, you can produce Bring the first it. true breeding Networking, plant. teamwork. That's, that's going to be takes. pretty exciting. Yep. Yeah. Bringing science together with the cannabis community, that's just, it's just so exciting. And it's just, it's... A whole new version of geeking out, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, the cool thing, too, is like back in the day when you read like Drake and those books, you know, those cannabis books that were all like the most high tech of the time they still were like you know double boiler you know grandma's thing was it was definitely not like you know as high tech as anything that people have done now and now it's like people have access to stuff that's like plug and plug like you it's great when you actually like look at look at a catalog and be like this, this shit already exists man it's all <laughs> here it's like there it is it's like yeah because it's so many different industries that we're totally unaware of because of cannabis people we kind of stay in our lane for the longest you time had to. it wasn't like we were like out there just spending hundreds of thousands of dollars at the you know, lab just for fun like yeah let's do that, that's, that <laughs> we'll get you in any trouble you know what i mean compared to like Not at all. except no. for a few people there'd always be the few you know the one guy you know who's the kind of yeah i mean you might not really see it come online all the way until cannabis companies can be publicly traded yeah that right? always we're, we're seeing out. more of this happening in canada where they can where a company can be profitable, even if the margin, margins are negative, mm-hmm. if you're publicly traded, you can be profitable just because you have the right business model on a sexy pitch deck. Right. Um, I'm that's still trying to make see sense a lot of, that. of this kind of ancillary research happening when people have a couple of million dollars to spare, and and the, the sexiness of the project increases the interest and the validity of the stock option. And if they're out there, 
contact us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the reality is there's so many people with his penny stocks and his bullshit stuff that you don't, like, there's no no meat on the bone. You kind of come in, you meet everybody, and you're like, so why is there this word cannabis all over whatever you're talking about, but you're not really about it? You're not, oh, well, you know, and then you start talking CBD, and then you ask them where they get it from, and you know it's from China, and you're just kind of like, all right, this guy sucks. <laughs> you got these guys suck, you know what I mean? And then you walk away from the booth, and you look at back, yeah. and you're like, the carpet baggers. I call them carpet baggers. Oh, they're totally, totally. Yeah. And, and on that subject, uh, yeah. Ryan and I were talking. He, they just got done doing a bunch of uh, testing on CBD products from the market. <laughs> and uh, tell us what you saw. Yeah, there was, I mean, and, and that was kind of to my point earlier today when we talked about some of the benefits of testing being that there is some protection to, you know, comparing to label claims, consumer protection. But we had, you know, it was almost like a... It was a mission this guy went on, and he brought in like 15 or 16 different CBD products, mm-hmm. and we tested the whole gamut. And I mean, and these these are sent all over the country. You know, some of them are produced there locally in Arizona, but others are sent all over the country in major manufacturers. Come to find out, I mean, some of these are 10, 15 percent of label claims. They're claiming a thousand milligrams, testing at 100. Right. Um, there was a manufacturer <laughs> that was claiming 1500, 1500 milligrams in a in a tincture. Zero detectable CBD. Oh, I bet. Um, I mean, this is the type of stuff that we're seeing that, I mean, you you have sick people and you have people that are spending money to to seek out an alternate treatment here, Mm -hmm. and and now someone is just flat out robbing them. Snake oil. Snake oil oil is exactly what it is. I have a question getting back to what you guys were talking about at the beginning of the show. You know, to me, all of this testing is great, but unless you're using a statistically significant sampling process that, that isn't done by the processor themselves i i, I question the validity of no and, and you're right um, and, and, and a lot I, of, I don't know if in arizona you happen to no arizona <laughs> we certainly don't have before. that but air but oregon like oregon does have where the labs come out and they do the sampling and and many other states are taking on that model understanding that in order for it to be you know scientifically valid you need to have, you have, a, to. You have to have a representative yeah. sample from the entire <laughs> crop from different batch batches right and, a five pound batch a half a gram sample from a five yeah, pound yeah that's batch. not doing You're not it using yeah. a statistically no. significant sampling method i mean that could have just fallen in there from anywhere yep and and, and a lot of states are recognizing that and they, and they and they do have some training that's required from the from the lab standpoint for for certified samplers Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's always good to be on site, have something going on, just so you can keep an eye on what you're doing. But you definitely shouldn't use that as like your your thing to tell the public and or to kind of like you because you know it doesn't matter how you do it. You're like you were talking about earlier. You're just you're gonna probably cherry pick your shit. And yeah, you're gonna want to hype it. And, it, and yes. it's the perception of a conflict of interest, whether there's yeah. one or not. I mean, if and the perceptions be, there, it's equally as damaging yeah. quite right. often. Yeah, you could have a total, you know, they hire an asshole and say, do it for real, you know what I mean? And then you come back and be like, yeah, 14%. As a business like, owner, I think it, this it, it, it's impossible. If, if I was in a regulated state as a grower, as a business owner, I, I do think doing self-testing, um, I wouldn't want to submit anything to testing that I feared would fail, right? right? And yeah. so I, I do think from that in-house yeah. for yeah. that purpose, gives but you it's an, gives still you from a, a, a legal fraud protection, statistically significant reason, it needs to be done by an independent source. And that's exactly a model from um, the food industry, right? right? So it's, again... From your microbial testing, do you do PCR-based or culture-based testing? Culture. Or both. Culture, right Culture, now. See, but... now that's interesting to me because powdery mildew, 
Can't be is, a, is an obligate parasite. Right. It, can't well, be you, it's almost impossible to culture in vitro. That's yeah. Right. No. Well, right. And, 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 and I, I think that was a mistake in states like Washington to go. Yeah, no. You're you're handling that. Yeah. Of, you're 100 percent right there, Eric. And you see a lot of states now going away from that because it, it's a general indication of microbial activity, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's pathogenic microbials there. Right. E. coli, Aspergillus, sure, but exactly. not some of the harder to culture. And and, and, and then again, I, I think it's unrealistic some of the standards that some states have set, have set where it's, you know, under 50,000 CFU or under 100,000 CFU. Well, that's not realistic on an outdoor crop. Um, it's not realistic to expect that. <laughs> right. It's just not. And then, yeah. right. and, it's ubiquitous. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be there. And is it of health concern? And if it's even in something that's a, of health concern, maybe for some individuals, it just... Put a like, warning label on it. Exactly, on. exactly. And then everyone has a choice. Exactly, <laughs> my, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And that's what I was saying before. I was like, you know, how much fucking mold and things we smoked over the years and like <laughs> none of us died and none of no. us got really sick. I've never because had a lot of friend times, like, well, unless you're immunocompromised, you know? it's, not, it's yeah. not harmful. Um, yeah. When I, I, I was uh, with a company in, in Napa, Sonoma, making wine as an enologist, and the winemakers would actually sometimes, instead of sorting out all of the grapes that had botrytis be like, no, don't take all of it out. Just the really bad looking stuff. They like the well, flavor. Well, actually, <laughs> botrytis is, a, is, a, is part of the pro- I mean, it's, from what I understand, Riesling is Riesling, sweet yep. because yep. the botrytis break, botrytis scenario breaks down the starches into sugar. Mm-hmm. So, so actually just, in, in yeah, viticulture, they use botrytis. Yeah. Yeah, and like you know, the, that again, it's, it's like it's like it's how communicating. we it, kind of like you're saying, food industry too. Like they'll waste tons of food because of how one little one little imperfection will end up is, you know, non-edible for humans or some bullshit, and they'll give it to either animals or throw it away or do something mm-hmm. stupid. But but a lot of times it's just because people are so used to everything being like perfect, it's gotta be perfect, you know. And and in the long run, uh, you know. The, the all those are heirloom things and those original funky kind of things. Those are the mm-hmm. things that actually had the flavor still. You know? Well, and uh, again, modeling from the food industry, um, you know, I think once the industry kind of gets um, more standardized as far as knowing how to grow on a large commercial scale without a ton of pesticides mm-hmm. and without, you know, understanding IPM, uh, that's pretty novel for the industry because you didn't have to do it. I mean, I do think that when you grow very small scale, it's a different approach to growing. So a lot of these mandates are pretty harsh right now, but I do think modeling off of the food industry, if you keep testing negative for pesticides and you keep testing negative for microbials, it doesn't mean that you need to always test every batch. The food industry will do it on a periodic basis Mm -hmm. throughout the year, but not every single time because you've demonstrated your protocols, your Mm -hmm. Methods, and this is again common. So I think that will help the cost of everything, but mm-hmm. still ensure public safety because now everyone's understanding how to grow on these larger scales, and they've demonstrated they're doing it in a, in a, a history a, of a, compliance. And and, yeah. and that's and we've even approached it that way too because if you do that each and every batch, you're passing along a significant cost to the to the growers. Mm-hmm. One that is ultimately going to be passed along to the patients the and patients, to, the, to the consumer. Or even so. lead to shortages because a lot of these, uh, the pesticides and the microbials do take more time to test. So to do a profile, sure, we can do that in 24-hour turnaround time, not a problem. Solvents, not a problem. But some of these other more complicated tests take a lot more time, which is why they're more expensive. They require more expensive instrumentation. And so that's why you a lot of times have shortages. And that needs to not happen because, A, business, and then, 
B, it's a medicine, at least in the state of Arizona, it passes medicine. So if somebody's taking their medication and all of a sudden can't get their prescription refilled, mm -hmm. how would we feel about, you know, that's, right. that's not okay. So the industry is going to find that balance. Standardization. There was like 450,000 pounds held in metric last year, here, yeah. which is like, it's a lot of work when you start <laughs> thinking about it because it's all finished material too. It's, you know. Just sitting on it. And yeah, and they just ch keep testing it and then, oh, yeah, it's good now. It's all kind of leached out. It's like, oh my God. So it's all yeah. converted. And, and, and that's one of the diff difficulties I think we have. It's a blessing and a curse to be on the front edge of it being, you know, it being recreationalized and it, it being in, in all these other states is that that's kind of part of the growing pains is we have to start pro providing context to mm -hmm. some of this, you know, instead of just running with the assumptions and, and making real significant financial detriment to the, the growers and producers, we have to discuss how it could be, how, how these contaminants can be there and what could be causing them and what mitigation processes we should be taking as opposed yeah, to the, just, you know, the levels, the levels have to get realistic too. Cause sometimes you're part per billionth, you know what I mean? you're like really part, part per billionth we're talking and like never really. Yeah. The limit of detection, you could, you could perceive a gnat farting two blocks down yeah, the road, exactly. but does it matter? It doesn't. <laughs> so and not to mention it sticks around for a year plus a lot of these, but these compounds. Well, yeah, especially because if people come into old places mm -hmm. and they don't know mm -hmm. what the other guys did, and it's like they don't. Or if it's in the water. Yeah, yep. you know, and and there's a lot of like stuff that you're like, all right, well, I don't know. I think I feel like we went nanny state on on cannabis real quick. You know, mm -hmm. we're like, okay, put it, and, and the problem is it's, it's our own arguments back in our face where we used to say like, you never know, you know, in the sense when it burns, what happens? You know what I mean? And and but then you take a backwood or something like that, and you go and test that. You guys ever do that? Like test any kind of like consumer things? Yeah, we we taste the yeah, like e liquids and uh, the vape juices and stuff like that. You know, and again, that very well right there is something that became really trendy. Yeah, but that then, looks worse. But, but then nobody thinks about the cheap artificial flavorings and the yeah. diketones that are stuffed in there that people the are then inhaling. The, yeah. the, the, the metal elements. Yeah, exactly. Themselves. The cheap metal elements everyone's ordering for 75-cent yeah. cartridges. And, and then, you know, we were just talking about earlier about um, the, the synthetic terpenes. You mm -hmm. know, and then how when they are combusted at high heat, they turn into benzene. Mm -hmm. So... We're finding out that benzene's in all these fucking terpenes. And well, right, and, and and again, that's controlling your temperature a little bit, but it also is, is to the point of everyone's using and reintroducing terpenes and breaking things down in individual pieces and then concocting their own little formula, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, band, my new yeah. nature did it pretty damn good. Like, why don't we just yeah. assume Mother Nature got it right and let the flower do no what one's the flower ever, does? No one ever makes it taste good. It's always like... Well, this tastes like real blueberries, but not really blueberries. <laughs> no. It's like blueberries. It's like blueberries. It's like blueberries, not blueberries. It's like when you get the fluoride rinse at the dentist office and it's banana, yeah. and you're like, that's, that's no banana, banana I ever yeah. had. <laughs> Something well, that's really the hardest. off about that. Well, yeah, and again, like people are only working off of maybe 30 max, and if that, doubt it, probably like 20, like you guys, 24, whatever. Even that, like, is not nothing compared to the, what's in there. You know, like there's mm -hmm. hundreds, and we're just like, oh, okay, well, there's all these little in-between bits that we're not missing in there you know you can't take you can't take like like eucalyptus and uh some myrcene and then think you got weed you know what i mean it's yeah, like no. there is weed mm -hmm. it's weed you know it's like what about all the rest of it yeah, yeah and, I, and we're all kind of big you know uh fans of just real good tasting hash and weed and you're yep. like wow this is keep it simple man we don't want to <laughs> lose that that ability and you know i'm glad it's cut that complicated it's like at least it's not like we haven't unraveled everything. I mean, 
we have a lot in the last few years. We're the point where we're like, okay, you know, we used to not know why or we used to not know how, and now we know kind of all that, but we still don't, can't reproduce it yet, you know. And I think as an industry, we should uh, also tread a little bit lightly because we, we certainly don't want to get into the whole game of, oh, everyone should take vitamin C because it's going to cure colds. It's a, and then all of a sudden a study comes out, uh, you know, two years later and says, actually, maybe vitamin C isn't so good. And then mm-hmm. two years after that comes back, it's like, no, it's the hot thing again. Mm-hmm. So that's what I love about cannabis is it's persistently beautiful mm-hmm. as a plant. What we do with it, the whole phytochemistry is already there. We don't necessarily, I think, as an industry, um, need to get into that hardcore pharmaceutical aspect and start doing a lot of the cocktail dancing because then we're going to lose what the plant sure. has already provided. And we, do that, and we do that with everything else. I mean, of course. Everything. Like, everything. Like, yep. there's nothing else we haven't stripped down and ruined <laughs> and just turned it into... Let's like, ruin it. Let's like, break <laughs> it into pieces. <laughs> break it up well, and leave it naked. I yeah. think there's going to be a difference. That, like, there's going to be commodity THC, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. CBD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to be, you know... Eventually, it's like a field-grown hemp plant that can be machine harvested and extracted, and THC. It's sort of like ethanol. Like ethanol, pure ethanol has a, a commodity value, like a supply and demand-based value. But but beer and wine are craft items, and that's always going to be where you know, like what Hope's talking about. That you're never going to, you know, I don't think we're going to lose that either. I don't know, you know, what percentage. You know, obviously, you know, vape pens and distillate is a huge thing. So. Uh, you know, people like you well, and I well, so are more of an anomaly. So many people out there, too, are, like, conditioned with their uh, nicotine thing anyway. Yeah. So they don't see the difference mm-hmm. between – they, they think they're getting more for their money, obviously, if they're going to use something with THC or CBD in it. But if it tastes like a pina colada, who cares? You know what I mean? They don't care. They have no desire to, like, even understand the little nuances that we're all, like – Really like, whoa, this ignorance is bliss. Like, we can get it. We can get an orange tasting product, but it won't be like artificial orange. You know what yeah, I mean? that's right. And, and when we say artificial orange, it's still not artificial orange. You know what I mean? It is tasty, and wow, it tastes almost as almost as <laughs> like artificial orange. But well, and not all the flavors are even terpenes, right? Like there's flavonoids involved. Right. There's mm-hmm. also like like the skunky smells or, or thiols or like sulfur mm-hmm. alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those are things that disappear when, like, temperature-wise. Very difficult to isolate. Yeah. Well, actually, because the thiols, the skunky garlic smells, uh-huh. usually come off in distillation with the garbage. Like, usually people <laughs> just throw that away because it's... Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is it heavier? Is it, is it heavier or is it... It sticks to the whatever is there or something? Or when it comes off that easier? It comes off easier, like, the on the first run or something? Or... Right, it comes off with the phenolics and things that are considered to be bad. Right. Sulfur compounds. Yeah, okay. Thiols. Yeah, and they and that's also part of the break. I like the garlicky sulfur. Me, me, me too. <laughs> good stuff. I love the the good old yeah. garlicky. Uh, yeah, and those are things that are um, kind of weird too, because they like they when you store that kind of stuff, it's because it's so funky. Uh, when it actually loses all of its thing, it's still kind of a funky, but it's a different kind. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, you're like, "Wait a minute, what happened?" You know, and it has this thing about it. Like it's, I used to, I remember keeping a bunch of buds like that at one point, and like because they were big and ridiculous. But then it like kept them way too long. You know what I mean? And I finally went back, and I was like, "Man, this uh, thing." And then that funk was real funk. It was, like, it it was com- like yeah, it, it had completely reversed into like some other, but it was almost the same. You don't level. see a lot of. 
you don't see a lot of distillate, you know, a lot of uh, extracted products that have those smells. You see a lot of the like citrus, myrcene, mm-hmm. you know, the larger, more stable terpenes. But it's hard; it's almost impossible to capture. I think those things in the, in the distillate, and not a distillate, but in a like even in That's DHO, nice. it's a challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice one. Yeah, you guys can go through there. And just watch your feet on the, on the and he goes through, and knocks it all down. Not you, not him, of course. I was waiting on him. <clears throat> so uh, it's like family. See, we're we're maxing it out. We're Isn't it four twenty there? Oh, it's way past that. Oh yeah, it's five it's four sitting. five fifty. It's always four twenty. Luckily, we're not so precise. You know. <laughs> now that Odie's here, it's four twenty, right? Odie, you got some buds over here for us? I can stand it. We can oh. see my chest. Somebody else take a turn. You're good. You're good. I know you can stay if you like. We gotta keep gotta keep at least one one woman at the table here, otherwise we look. I'm like, representing. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, soft the rough edges. Just a bunch of white guys again. One of those shows. Indeed. How you doing? Good, man. Welcome. Thank you, bro. Welcome, welcome. I think the last time I saw you was in Vegas. Pinsky Sweet. Pinsky Sweet. Oh God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you going next week or what is it? Um, yeah, next week. Where? Vegas. Vegas. Next week. Oh, in November. MJ no, MJ I'm doing the Frenchy cannolis. I'm doing his class. Like on the oh, island. nice. Where is that? San Francisco? Yeah. Or? Yeah, yes. yeah. The cannoli. The cannoli. The cannoli class. Yes. Nice. Yes. The resin. <laughs> the resin. <laughs> the resin. Oh, do you got some buds for us over here? You always got uh, jars on you. I did. What do you mean my backpack? What do you mean? I was going to say, I don't think I brought my backpack with him with me. Oh, it's okay. I can go grab it, though. I'm pretty sure. It's all right. It's all right. I figured Somewhere. we were just you waiting on you. We're, we're doing dabs before, but <laughs> since you rolled in, we were like, oh, I sure. I have some uh, Mmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm down. Whatever. I'll roll I'll roll whatever you guys got. Okay. Okay. First, I'll be for you. Oh, thank you. I see, you, I see you're all loaded up. I see you're all loaded up. Yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. went whole hog this time, you know. I like the logo. Thank you. Reminds me of Crown Royal a little bit. Trying to be classy, trying to class it up a little bit. Well, you know, Uptown Grow Lab, we have a little bit of a shine, you know. It's the gold. The black and the gold. Right. So, I picked these up just now. Okay. Anything interests you? I can't read anything. These small anyway. I'd be like... <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. There you go. Cheesy. And then, what does that say? Right? These are headband. That smells like cheese Same of some shit. sort. I can't see, so maybe. Definitely cheesy. That one, that one smelled better. This that, is, that one smelled better. This is also a headband, I believe. Okay, cheese. This one. Okay, cheese. There you go. Yeah, that's a Rosetta Stone. Oh, okay. No, that no. is. Uh, no, this is a. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> it sounds like a good strain. I don't remember. It's been a good day. It's the I don't remember. <laughs> I'll do this one right for right now. It's easy. It's right here. It's got no home. It's got no home. I'm, I'm, I'm very easy. Either a tray dog or a I-95. Is this from two or something? It's from Rip. Oh, Rip. Nice. Nice one. So, uh... 
Are you here for the show tomorrow? Or? Yeah, I'm speaking on um, Sunday on pests and plagues in your garden. Oh, my God. Are you bringing them? Or what? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I brought the russets. I like secretly, I just in, give them a handshake. I'm like, hoping that I beat my spider Guess what? You got russets. Yeah. How'd you Fuck know? That. Just shook your hand. <laughs> <laughs> no. Shit, I'm in the you're that guy. Yeah, you're that guy. Um, so I'm speaking on Sunday, but yeah. I have, we have a booth there. Uh, cool. We're selling some genetics and the book, um, and hanging out and having a good time, talking to the people. You know, nice. You got a, like a whole. Do uh, you got like a slideshow and everything? Did yeah, you have yeah. real vicious looking bugs. Because every time I show bugs on a slideshow, it's already huge. And you turn around, and you just go like, oh, you're like all shivering. You got some nasty mites and some withered leaves, you know. You gotta, you gotta shit. have the with, just because people haven't seen russets up close. Because by the time they actually get them, they're just it's it's too, too late. late. So they haven't really had time to inspect them to assimilate the information. Mm-hmm. Well, they just look the same, but they keep getting bigger. But they're they're still gross. They're gross. They're gross and weird because they almost look. They only have like four legs or something. Right, they don't have look like a worm. Yeah, with arm like a salad. It's almost like it's trying to become a person. I it's think it could be. It could be the next generation. After we're done, that could be it. That could be taking over the earth. Super might. Well, that's it. They have little hands. <laughs> if you look real close, it looks like they do. You're gonna give me bad dreams, Adam. That's, what I'm, that's your job, dude. As a as a guy who stands in front of people and talks about bugs, your job is to make people go home and go like, "I'll never sleep again, dude. I, I saw that thing." It, they make me. They keep me awake at night sometimes. It'll be them and cockroaches. Who we got? Who we got? Who we got? Uh oh. Is this another top? Is this Eric coming back in? Is this Eric again? Yeah. Yo, yo. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, Hope, I don't know what happened. She got, she got, she got, she got she, she she was, stretch for a minute. Hope's, yeah, beard, she, Hope's beard just wouldn't hold back. She it, came in, it came in really quick, and she's like, it's like Halloween Wolverine style. Just, she needs some fresh air. If you blink, if you blink. She, she turned into this an o- Odie Diesel. So it went from a scientific talk to like, just a bunch of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> is it always the way? <laughs> Kinda. It's like, yeah, we're mixing it up. We're mixing it up. But uh, I'm glad you guys are finally smoking. Me too. I know. Well, that was, I was waiting on Odie. We were just doing dabs. Yeah, we were waiting on Odie. We're trying to be all quiet, quiet with our dabs. Place, you know. So, so um, Odie, what are you thinking about tissue culture yourself? And are you are you feeling I'm, it, or are you just gonna like old school? I want to see. No way, you're not old school. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you. So, well, you know, I mean, I know there's lots of great things coming. Is your mic on good? Yeah, oh, no, it sounds weird. It does oh, sound a little oh, weird. Oh, oh, is this mic on good? Is this mic on? Oh, it's not on. Not on. No, I thought <laughs> you sounded like. I thought you sounded is like. Is that better? Oh yeah. Oh, hey, exactly. much better, better. Much better. All, All right. right. So now I can probably scoot it back a little bit. A little bit, but not much. You got to go tight. Yeah, you know. um... It would be great. Uh, it's something that we could definitely use. I myself have strains that are 20, 25 years old. Yeah, so just to clean um, them up, really, is yeah, the key. You know? Yeah, um, that's what I think. See how much different it does compared to just putting them in the sun and letting the sun re-trigger them. Right. Um, you know, it's a space thing yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely a lot of good yeah. that can come from it. It's sort of like the disease thing too. Like it, it, you can do the same thing with a quarantine, but with a quarantine, you're going to spend like two or three months watching yeah, and right. it might, something yeah. might happen. It might not with micropropagation. It's two or three months and you're guaranteed a clean product at the end. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, 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 that's with, definitely without the risk benefit. of it crossing over to like other things in quarantine, blah, blah, blah. Definitely a huge benefit for sure. 
you know, and, and that, that's and the kind keep, of thing we need, especially keep on trying. commercial. I mean, you can kind of keep trying with that. When you're quarantined, you're kind of yeah. like putting a lot of, a lot of energy towards it. And at that point, you like, be easy. I'd feel better with a failed tissue culture run than I would with trying to quarantine a plant and keep that thing alive and pay somebody or do it yourself. And, you know, I mean, all that money and energy going towards it. And then it could possibly cross over. Well, on a commercial the, scale, you could bring in one plant that could cost you $100,000 in catastrophic Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's like, so if you can if you can guarantee that the plant coming in is clean, I mean... Yeah, yeah no, and that's a game changer. That's That's definitely where it needs to be so that... You know, especially large-scale commercial grows. When they do have issues, they need to clean all that up. That's the way to do it, you know, instead of, well, that or start seeds, but, you know, I'm a seed guy, so I prefer everybody like starting seeds You guys seeds mentioned russet mites, and I've seen, like, broad mite infestations because they're microscopic. Right. People think they're chasing nutrient deficiencies. They think it's a virus. By the time yeah. they actually scope them, or maybe, I've been to grows, commercial licensed grows in Washington, where I went to the place and they didn't even know it was broad mites until I told them. I know, right? Is that scary? We've been, um, we've been the, the, and the first, then what they want to know is, well, can you get us clean plants? Oh my and that's god! When I started <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and you're just yeah. rolling through, right? Just checking <laughs> yeah. them out. That's yeah, crazy. it's yeah. it's terrible too because we we you know it is exactly what you said. It's like when when it's by the time you actually can see it. It really, it's at that they're point where they're gone. they're already going. Oh, on. and they don't hang out. The the damage that you see, the necrosis. That's broad mites are really interesting bugs. The females are born with no legs, and they're quiescent. They're sort of just they just sit there, and the males fight over them and then carry them to the meristem for breeding. <laughs> and so when you the, the damage you see is actually a toxin. The mites feeding themselves don't do much damage at all. They're like microscopic. They feed directly yeah. on the cells. They don't do much damage to the tissue. Like a thrip just tears through the, the surface. That's why you don't notice yeah. them in the beginning because you're not really hurting it too bad, right? Right, and and they've migrated to the meristem. By the time you scope where the damage is, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. it can be really challenging to diagnose. Once, you, once you've seen them, then you kind of like, you see them everywhere. Wait, <laughs> exactly. No, that's, that's the thing I hate when yeah. it's like, it's almost like you put on like glasses and you can kind of like, now I can finally see. And all of a sudden you look at the bottom yeah. of every single stem and you're like, no, no, no. Like every single connector is like, it's almost like when your first time you ever look up in your, in your house and you're like, wow, I should probably clean all those little cobwebs up there. You know what I mean? When the fuck did those happen? You know yeah. what I mean? It's like they happened you were looking. right in front of your face, but just because you never looked up, you know, <laughs> exactly. they didn't pay attention. And the minute the you do pay attention. Bunny, the, the, yeah, the herd of dust bunnies. It's the dust bunnies. Um, you know, I'm surprised no one called in or asked about dudding. About what? Oh, scientists have flown in. The official yeah. fi- scientist meeting is about to begin. <laughs> it's going down. It's going down. <laughs> cool. Oh, you see, you have to leave? Yeah. We, okay. We, well, we, you're going with them? No, 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 no. no. no, no, no. Oh, I just good. wanted to say thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay, thank good. you very much. I had yes. a blast. We'll see you later. Eric, nice meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you too. No, I'll definitely I'll, I'll email soon. you back. We should get on the phone together soon. Very soon. <laughs> Bye. All right. Take care. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Hope. Hope. I appreciate it. For sure. It's Dr. Hope Jones. Dr. Hope Jones. Dr. Dr. From C4 Labs. <laughs> yes. And cheers. Uh, that was awesome. And they're off to see some, they're going to get some, they go pick up the science. More yeah. science. Yeah. More, more, science. more science. More science. Their science. scientist guy is. Uh, mm. Bye, Hope. This is this is another. Well, Eric, ho- hope's growing another beard again. I needed to ask Hope for that. She needs to, an abstract for the talk. An abstract. Should we leave already? 
Yeah, yeah she, she already left. Gone. She's gone. Yeah, she just. She we'll tell her though. Out. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely follow up. And you have her contact info, correct? Uh, if not, I can. Oh no, yeah, I'll put you in touch, correct? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I hear you're. Uh, so we hear you're coming down to Oregon. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm planning to work with Heroes of the Farm. Yeah, everybody's Heroes of the Farm. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. yep. We're good, good friends. That's pretty excited. Super excited. Yeah, that's a good Top team. Top-notch bunch. Absolutely, absolutely. Good people, and uh, yeah. uh, definitely uh, they turn out some amazing product and um, have a great gene pool to work with. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys can do. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited. Yep. Very cool. So is it Trey Dog or something that I say? Yeah. Like yeah, either Trey Dog or uh, I-95 Kim or mm. Kim. I-95 Kim. <laughs> whatever. A little something, something. That reminds me back home. One of them Colorado crosses. That's good. It's Tuesday. It was a gift I was happy to receive. Absolutely. Any gift of herb or beans is a blessing. Yes. Especially when you're traveling, because like, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I only brought so much, so yeah. <laughs> you got kind of spooked from your other trip well, that you yeah, had the you other know, time. When, you know, when I normally fly with you know quite a bit for to show off, and then they turn me away with just over an ounce. Really? Come on, that was lame. You know, so now you spooked. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've done, I've, I've done my time for for marijuana. For cannabis. I'm good. Yeah. Um, too old or too broke. I try to play right. by the rules somewhat, but I'm a patient and I want to take my meds with me. Amen. It's hard to trust people's meds when you go places. <clears throat> it really is. It really is. I mean, we were just. Well, in you the think shop. The, the worst is when you assume that you're going to get fucking hooked up. What you're used to. You never will. And then you're like, oh, right. should have, could have, would have. Right. And it's way better. Way better to like have brought way too much weed. That's usually the other problem. Got a <laughs> Yeah. Instead of like, you know, like. You know, so many times I left, left town and didn't have the right person. Remember the to fabulous Furry Freak Brothers? Uh-huh. Did you read those comics? Oh yeah, oh, fabulous yeah. Furry Freak. It's easier to make it through times of no money with weed than times of no weed with money. Absolutely yeah, so true, of course. And and it's when you're traveling too, it's just the extra bonus of like at least you know you got good. Like a little bit of hash is always good because that's going to guarantee to get you through. Like even if the weed sucks, you can throw a little bit of your own hash. I had that in Thailand. But <coughs> if I didn't bring my own hash, I would have been bummed because I was going to bring <laughs> weed there. It's too paranoid. Then I brought hash, but I only brought like maybe seven or eight grams and I was there for almost three weeks. So it was just kind of like <coughs> just enough. I could just get there, get, you over the top, get right? their weed and I put a little bit of hash in, but then all the locals would be like knocked out. You know what I mean? I'd be like, what? You guys, this weed sucks. Put some of this in there. And they'd be like, whoa. Well, it's interesting other people's tolerances compared to particularly the people in this room and others, you know, of similar oh, yeah. ingestion uh, habits. We are a... A waste nation, right? Yeah. Smoke more than we need and stronger than we need. And tolerance levels and bigger, push it to the faster, limit. stronger. Yeah, with three uh, Red Bulls in between or some stupid yeah, right. some energy drinks. Which are way Just ahead. get really drunk and stay awake with a Red Bull. That's good. <laughs> so, um,. You're just cruising the show, or you got some? Oh, you take a booth. <laughs> well, I got a booth, and I'm speaking. And you know, the YouTube channel is kind of blowing up. We got about thirty-five thousand subscribers. Nice. And about fifteen thousand on Instagram, and it's we just keep building. You know, we're doing live streams, stream reviews up in Seattle, mm-hmm. and where we travel. Like we went to a shop downtown, we picked up some things, so we'll review those in the next couple of days. Uh, that sort of thing. 
And uh, how many? So you're just in Seattle, or you're all over, like from Seattle? Well, you know, all over? I lived in New York for like 40 years. No we, way. Yeah, man. You couldn't tell, could you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and what was just your, like? I couldn't tell. He was old school. I was like, you know. Be like, hmm, let me guess. Let me figure this out. And, 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 and what, what, it's better. What was your profession? Oh, I was a lawyer and a judge. Right. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Uh, obviously, uh, that's a tough racket out there. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm a cannabis refugee essentially. I, cur- uh, I suffer from Crohn's disease. That's how I actually found the plant like 40 years ago. And um, last year was really rough. I had a, had a colectomy, and then they uh-huh. gave me a bag, and then they reset, re- put me back together. Mm. But uh, while I was down, I was doing all these videos, strain reviews and whatnot. And people, you know, it's real. I mean, it's pretty authentic, I think. I mean, I'm yeah. biased, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, your, it's the most authentic thing you're going to ever do for yourself, I'm sure. Right? It's like, I am authentic as I can be. But, I mean, you know, re- reviews are always one of those things where it's more the people got to be a t- – people got to feel like they – Obviously, trust your opinion. That's the right. most important part. And, and you know, obviously, it's just how you present it because some people, you know, can't express. Like, it's funny. When you ha- hang out with people, you'll all be smoking the same weed, and yet everyone has their own little, the like, artic- twist. The different articulation yeah. of what their flavors yeah, some, are and the Some people can, like, you know, they'll, they're tasting it, but they can't fucking bring it, bring it, it to their face, you know, right. to their it mouth. It tastes like, like yeah. pine? Yeah, that's it, pine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's sometimes right. it's really obvious. It's like, well, that's pretty damn obvious because that's, like, you know... Uh, that is exactly, you know, in your face, and other people don't get it, and then there'll be these little real new, and then other people will say it back to you, and you'll be like, I do not get that at all. And then the names got so ridiculous recently that I'm just like, <laughs> you're really saying a lot when you're, like, telling people, like, they're going to be getting bananas, strawberries, mints, and right. chocolate chips, and freaking sprinkles, and all these things, and then you're like, and then you taste it, and you're like, weed, really? you're like, weed, you're like, you're like, you're right. like, there's not really any of that, like, occasionally, you'll be like, one of the, well, something will come through in the things. flavor, but it's really unusual, with yeah. those, those fancy names, like, there's a cushion, Washington called, like, breakfast cush or something, uh-huh. the bud tender told me, oh, yeah, man, it's, it's like, you know, waffles on, on Sunday morning, I'm like, really? It wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> I, had, I had that literally like about two weeks ago, and it was there was a little plant growing like literally through the crack of the of my house here, just for me certain seeds. Random seeds. Yeah, and let it grow, and it was doing all right. And at the end, when it was like last couple of weeks, of course, you know, I'm really like, oh, I'm check this out. Like, eh, nothing super duper special. It was just kind of, eh. and then the, like near the last day, did that, and then like ten, two minutes later, I was like, kind of like smelling. <gasps> Dude, it smells like fucking like maple syrup, right? And then like about twenty minutes later, I'm like, oh yeah, I ate like pancakes earlier. I was like, I was, like, <laughs> was, like so it was on I was, your fingers, right? <laughs> still had like I cooked it for Nick or something. I cooked it, and I didn't actually eat it, but I cooked it for him. And I was like, but for like a second there, I was like, oh my god, overnight it now smells like amazing. You know, right? <laughs> I, was like, I found the most amazing plant. Clone no. this thing. Yeah, it was no, it was definitely not. Not, not anything <laughs> special, but uh, so you're, so the review wise, how many have you done so far? You think? Oh, we've got almost a thousand videos on YouTube. Yeah, they're not all reviews. I mean, yeah. we go, we visit producers. Uh, you know, I visit Adam Jacques' farm a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, uh, that sort of thing. And we do live streaming now, right? Uh, every day, pretty much for like an hour. Every day, pretty like, much like Colbert, basically. <laughs> trying to be the Colbert of weed. Well, I don't know about that, day. but you know, uh, we just a once a week or we just kind of hang out and smoke weed, and people from all over the world. I mean, uh-huh. that's the amazing thing about this plant. I don't have to tell you because you know, yeah. but yeah. it's um, the we get people from 
Europe, Australia, everywhere. I mean, it's Greece. It's amazing how many people, you know, the plant brings uh, together. It's a fellowship. The That's how I look that at it. that are made through the plant. It's just fascinating. I mean, I don't like to look at it in a religious kind of way, but it is really a fellowship. You know, I used to be a big cigar smoker. And it was sort of like that, you know. And you could get as nerdy as you wanted to with cigars, as mm-hmm. people do with cannabis these days. Um, but it, particularly the medical aspect of you're suffering and you're smoking it, and you have somebody else who needs it, and then they smoke it too, you're bonded immediately. And it's real. It's not bullshit. Yeah. I have a lot of friends like that too who are older than me, but they were kind of, would come to Amsterdam, and every time they came there, I'd be there pretty much solid for 20 years and running my store. And so I was there kind of like, you know, the, 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 guy, the guy that they would come and check out, what's going on, what's the new thing, what's hot, what's this, what's that, you know what I mean? Right. And then to this day, like, I can look, pretty much see those guys. And, like, even funnier was my one friend, Alan, uh, he, Alan Malka, he used to come out there all the time, and he kind of, like, sold his business, and he, like, started just, like, broke up with his woman, got this house, started growing his own plants, and then he ended up um, hiring Brittany Wagner recently. <laughs> and he's kind of, all of a sudden, he's sending me these pictures of hash. And, and then she t- sends me a text. He's like, oh, I'm working for a friend of yours. And I'm like, oh, so that's where this, because I was like, so all these pictures of hash that you're sending me, because he made like he made it look like he, he's like, oh, guru, guru, I have learned so much. And I'm like, wait a minute, I know your whole secret. Busted him the other day. I was like, is this your hash or Britney's hash? Like, well, you know, I got to get a little help sometimes. You know, so. <laughs> we need that lady love. It's always the, the yeah. ladies just killing me. You know? yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. It looked, it looked killer. Absolutely. It looked really good. But uh, where are the states you're kind of like, got any kind of like people, satellite people, or is it kind of all based out of the. You got any satellite people working? Mm, you know, site? my partner, Uncle Tweezy, he's in New York. He's doing his thing. We grew together out there. We, we're still kind of a unit, but I'm doing my own thing out here. The Tweez unit. Yeah, the Tweez <laughs> unit. <laughs> well, you know, he keeps it hopping uptown. What can I say? You know. Sure. And uh, Mr. Odie, come on. You, you always so, talks over me all the time. I know, I know. It's <laughs> really drives, annoying, right? He drives me nuts. It's really on, obnoxious. Whenever he's on the show, I have to like tell him to be quiet all the time. Well, you know. You guys, are you guys... I um, like the attention. What can so, I say? What's going on with this? So now that Adam Jacques is not here... Well, he's in was town. He's in town. He's oh, in he's town. in town. He's he was, he was running here. behind on getting his presentation so gonna, put together. So he's going to be... Okay, cool. Yeah. So he's yeah. going to be speaking. There. He'll be speaking. And, he'll, okay. and he's also um, going to have a booth. Okay. Yeah. No, I was going to say that would suck if he didn't make that at all. Oh, yeah, no, I here. got it. This is a gentleman actually I, from part of his garden. I do know. I did, did, did get that on the way in, that's and that's why... But we didn't get past that point to figure out, like, I thought he wasn't making it at all. No, he's no, here. no, he's, he's here. here. Oh, cool. He's just behind on getting his presentation put together. So. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. we've all been, we've all mm-hmm. been there. He's right. been there. We just go for the least preparation possible. That way, there's like nothing to really fuck up. Because you're like, <laughs> whatever. Did you go to law school? <laughs> sure, sounds like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> least preparation possible is always the best. Right. Uh, no, but in general, it is. Uh, he does some pretty good. He has. He's been. I've seen him do some. He's worked some big rooms, man. The yeah. CBD thing game. He's pretty on that. He's for on sure. That. He's. And mm-hmm. there's going to be an amazing breeders panel on Sunday afternoon. Uh-huh. Odie's going to be there. Yeah. Sunny's going to be there. I think I'm there, you're, right? You're, you're, you're going to be there too, right? I'll be there. JJ will be there. I'm and I'm moderating it. I think. Yeah. Damn. Here we are. Half of us are here. Just just the obnoxious part of TSK and and some. He's running late this evening. Missing that. We're missing the sarcasm of him in the corner. So. Well, and the, you got JJ in there too. So. Oh my right. god! Oh no! But we no Rick though. 
No Rick. <laughs> no Rick. Okay, because that would be like that combination. Of movies. No, just, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, just on like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about energy. There's huh? energy there. Well, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm not I characterizing it. Or Colin. We had Colin. We had Colin. Yeah. Bring in Colin just to spice it up a little bit. <laughs> and then, and then, and then once you got, um, once you got, uh, yeah. DJ, and then we're done. And yeah. then it's over. DJ We've it's got over. it. It's a complete. It's a complete. <laughs> and Mike from Exotic might run in with a mask and wrestle him down or something at some point. Wrestling mask. <laughs> I can see it going down. He won't even want to. He won't want to hear nothing about it. You know. I mean, like, oh, too much. One day, one day on a real Adam Dunn show. So, um, so everybody's gonna be at the Emerald Cup, I assume, because we'll talk about yeah, that a little bit. Possibly. possibly. Yeah. That's gonna possibly. You better be. I, I gotta sit. I gotta. Sit, I got the, the boss no, at home. I gotta clear some shit with her. But, uh, you know. it's, it's, it's a business trip yeah, you know? that's what I'm that's my that's true I mean this year is going to be a real it's important one so it's going to be one of those ones where you know a lot of people are going to be the first time they're going to be seeing people each other because right. they're giving like you know both have their own things going down and right. there's going to be a lot of issues and some things a lot of stories you've already heard about a bunch of stories we haven't heard about right. you know it's going to be a million Little charities going on, like right. you know, it's going to be every table is going to have its own thing with its yeah. own box. Okay, it? I think it's made up my wife's mind. So, so it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a lot of community. Good, I think it's going to be. It'll be I've like been the, saying the same thing. Yeah, in a way, it's going to be it's going to be one of the ones that you kind of like have to go to now. Now, if you even had even the inkling of thought of going, the hardest part is going to be staying somewhere. I think that's going to be. And the other thing is, you just got to go down like Petaluma, and you know, you're just going to have to go out of town. Just venture further bit. afield. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, half hour drive instead of a ten minute drive. What? Yeah, I mean, I, this is America. <laughs> America. And also, I, I'm camping out. I'm, hey, man, I live in Seattle. I'm camping out at the burnt out hotel, wherever it is. I'll be, I'm sleeping here. You I know, with with the, reservations, with legalization in California going through. I mean, uh-huh. we, look at all the other states where it's yeah. happened. You know, yeah. look at the events. You know, no there more. are no more events, or they're non-consumption. Yeah, what's so up with that? Look at next year's. It's going to be like now. All of a sudden, you enter the Clean Air Act, right? Which is totally avoidable as long as you don't have a bunch of employees. What's that? Was that Will? Like at a strip club? To hold an event. Huh? To hold an event. Mm-hmm. And then, plus it's also uh, comes into the public consumption. Yeah, I know. It's all bullshit. But you can't, right, so Indoor, not only though. employees, but also volunteers. Huh. They count the same as well. I mean, do they? Yeah, they're just volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't count. They're not. They're not full. We're going to get right? you appointed head OSHA. <laughs> Come on. I no heard there's going to be an opening soon. But so, yeah, just, so you basically outsource everybody else in different groups, and then they're like, they're not. Yeah, don't work for me. They work for that guy over there. There's yeah. the lighting guys, and those guys work for those guys. Everybody's mm-hmm. subcontractors. They're all subcontractors. Yeah. To a, like to two a, guys running yeah. the whole thing. To a yeah. Panamanian uh, <laughs> corporation. <Yeah. laughs> Jeez. I mean, if the Whitefish guys can get like a $300 million contract, and they only got two employees, we should be able to work <laughs> the same deal with the Clean Air Act and be like, what are you talking about, man? I got, I got to rebuild fucking uh, the entire Midwest of their entire, all their smoking places. I got to do I'm in charge over here. I got two guys. Two, two guys. guys. Two guys. <laughs> yeah, so there's, uh, there's always, I mean, that, and, that, and that is the biggest uh, issue when most places is like they get you on zoning or they get you on right. indoor Clean Air yeah. Act or they get you on that. That's, that's like the, and, and, Cannabis people, even when they pay all the 
fees that they have to, they still get fucked. You know yeah, what I mean? Nope. So, because you got all the permits you got to apply for. You got to get, you know, the mass. And I think everybody who's ever thrown a party who's a weed guy and, like, I kind of got my taste of it in 93 when I first kind of, like, that was my, my first, like, trying to rent a place and have an official party and not, you know, obviously not talk about weed too much, but kind of get the go-ahead. Like, yeah. yeah, we could smoke kind of, right, maybe? And then when my friends get there, it's fucking ball. Once people hear they can smoke, Bongs are, bongs are coming out and everyone's fucking getting high and it was like then the owners freak out and it's like it's just the formula that goes through over and over and over again because when they think of smoking especially in Holland they think of like oh yeah a couple guys with a smoky smoky you know <laughs> they come in you gotta roll a couple shaggies and, like, <laughs> and I'm like nah not really like different. that it's, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be a little different all of a sudden there's banners on the wall people are smoking blazing you know what I mean and the guys are like oh my god this is a, you know this is out of their they're out of their minds and then we are like getting in trouble. We're in the back room. Getting yeah, party's got to get shut down, and we're like begging them, you know, begging, please, please, you know. And that's like happens still to this day because of the illegality of their. That's li- all because of their fucking liquor license. Yeah. That's what they're scared of. And so you have to like find a place that doesn't have one, doesn't care about one, and that's the whole hang up. And most places have that, and that's why the weed things get fucked because they're yeah. all like. Much rather make money off of drunk people than we do. Well, it's easier to take their money, isn't it? Way easier. They can can. Well, the the clubs in Spain are kind of nice. Still in Barcelona, right? It's very different than Amsterdam. Yeah, and that's a cool model just because it's in between. But they sell weed there. That's the difference. So so it's like, it's not really like. When you sell weed, it's like, okay, well, that's not hard. You know what I mean? We we can, this is it. We're ready. I just got to open that door up. You get your jars out of your freaking thing. We're right. we're ready for business, bro. You know what I mean? And people would go. People would be like, "That weed's great," and we'd be killing it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. how easy it is. But over there, they're kind of like Spanish style, where they, you know, they make it nice. They're gonna mm. make it really nice, and just oh, and some of them are. Some of them are awesome. A couple of them are really dingy and weird. Well, it's like the shops. You know, it runs the gamut, right? From mm-hmm. hood to you know high end. My friend is opening up one uh, right down down somewhere. Don't ask me where. In Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. But now they just, did you hear about, so now they're under siege from uh, from Spain. Spain, so yeah. it's going to be one of it's those tense, it's going to be a there. tense place for a little bit. Right. Uh, Unlike the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. At least theirs is like, but, but the problem is that they have a history of being really aggressive, so it's not like they're, when they come cracking down, they come cracking down. Sure, so yeah. it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, that's why they're wearing those armor suits. They're <laughs> with the shields. Oh, yeah. And they're ready to <laughs> and go. helmets. Yeah, well they go, they take it. They take pretty, it very seriously. Pretty, pretty seriously, that's for sure. Well, they've dealt with the Basques for, you know, X number of years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they've had their own separatist thing going on there all the time. but They had a civil war, right, mm-hmm. in the 1940s. Not that long ago. People right. forget. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's older generations there that have all seen it and kind of, ooh, it's coming right back. And so it's weird, though, because Holland was the same. Like, they had this thing about not asking you for your papers because that would freak old people out so they were like against the law for them to go up to you and say like show me your papers you know because if you say that they can have PTSD and show me your papers so you're not allowed to ask for your papers when I first moved there and that was in 89 by 95 that was like over you know what I mean it was like they could ask you whatever whip it up and so they kind of like that was like the cusp of that generation's being able to have any control over that kind of bullshit, you know what I mean? And at yeah. one point they're like, whatever, we're asking for people's papers because it got real crazy. Especially in 99, it got super crazy uh, because of the the Euro and the bullshit. 
once that that killed it. Once the Gilda disappeared. Yeah, once they lost the Gilda, the Gilda, the mighty Gilda. Because the thing about that it was it was actually the reverse because everything was so small, like the increments. That by the time you broke it down, that's because the Dutch were like you know, super cheap anyway. So like, they were like they were loving <laughs> yeah. that. Like, They're good business people. They're so, good business people. So like their money was even like small, like half of what ours was. So right. at the end of the day, you were like when you started thinking about it, you're like, wait a minute, that's like five. Three and a half cents we're talking about now. Just pay it. You know what I mean? So uh, well, once, the euro, once the euro kicked in, it went the other way around. And then everything was like, what? It didn't make sense anymore. And it kind of lost. Plus, just the going country to country lost its flavor because that was actually cool. It did the differences. Losing all that money was awesome. You were like, I lost <laughs> so much. I just lost so much money at every single time I did that. No, a lot of people did, and they just didn't get it. And but it was an economy. And it was yeah. weird, too, because back in the day, when people would come over there and, and be buying a lot of weed or whatever, they'd all be changing their money. And you just go to these change places, and they were just raking in cash because they were making a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah, it's just a little bit of the big on the top. And they were chiseling. And they were, little, they were literally like, you know where the good ones were. And you go there with like 80 grand and change it. And be, you know, it'd be like... Be so shady and stupid, and there'd be people doing it, lining up, and be like nine of you guys. Hey, everybody's looking at each other, and everyone's doing their own shady thing. And it was like the funniest <laughs> thing. It was like it was the most obvious, but yet weird, and just going off like just all day, very all night. Very sketchy, very sketchy. Super sketchy. And then the Euro. Now you go there, and there ain't nothing going on. It's yeah. like, there's like one Yugoslavian guy changing, and a few other. You know, there's a few little currencies that actually are Asians yeah. or something like that, and that's yeah. about it. And there in France, it's a lot of Arabs around the money changing thing. Yeah, so it's kind of weird, all that kind of like uh, culture that disappears as the things get, you know, global. Mm-hmm. Same with weed. It's like weed's getting global. It's all getting kind of Global like, homogenization, you think? Yeah. Well, if Gorilla Glue is the most popular weed in London, you're like, really? What? That's <laughs> what they're saying. That's what's wow. hmm. reported, reported out there. Reportedly. Reportedly. The but they're paying a lot of money, like 60, 60 quid a pound, like a fucking for a gram or some bullshit. You're like, what? What? They're just wow. paying like top, 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 top money. I think we skunk. should pack some uh, it's the new <laughs> food savers, fellas. It's the new skunk, mate. <laughs> wow. Well, that's the funny wow. thing is like, you know, it's uh, it kind of flipped, you know, where Europe is now looking to America back where they should have been. Like, we started off here, yeah. then went there, then went back, and it's like, it keeps flipping back and forth, sure. and now it's back on that whatever's, you know, here is the testing ground for everything. Well, there's a lot more openness and a lot more ability to do it now. Yeah. With the yeah. repercussions legally. Like our guests. Ne- <laughs> next thing you know, they're going to breathe the smell out of the, the glue like they did in... Right. Well, you don't have to do that hardly. You just have to grow it. <laughs> just kind of does that on its own. Really. It has its own. Here's the new glue. Ouch. It's glue number one. This is it's pretty easy to lose the flavor. Non-scented. But when you do get the good flavor, it is nice. It's just a lot of times it's all, especially when people don't grow good, it looks good, but it just don't have any flavor left. So it's not as bad as the white, though. The white is definitely the most flavorless beautiful plant ever I mean, like, that is so the white. Yeah, so beautiful but bland. nothing there right just yeah that's it no no flavor no flavor what time we got no guys we are at oh my god we're at the yeah. exact time this is the perfect time to wind down yeah. so because um, we're like exactly we started at half past 29 so we got five minutes left don't go crazy 
<laughs> don't explode just because I said we get to go now. So, uh, Sonny will be, you're repping at a booth or nothing? You're just talking. You're going to be at booth 420, 421 or 420? Uh, 420? Yeah, I guess so. Well, I'm at 420 wow. and they're right next to me. Wow. I only brought a paid, couple of things. Paid a lot of money for that or what? Uh, no, no I didn't more? actually. They love me. That's good. It's love. Got 420 for you, bro. <laughs> Every booth is 420. 421, 422, like, just I keep, don't know. Keep, keep doubling. Maybe. 499, yeah. 710. 4299. Four, like a hotel. The whole 420 floor or something. <laughs> um, so you guys are, for you guys, what you, have your seed company or is a James... Set up or what's going on? I think actually uh, James here not now. personally. He's, he's, he's not. Yeah, he's here, here now. Well, his company is there. Okay. They're there. Okay, um, they're there. JJ's there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few different people there. Yeah. So but are you I guys are at a separate booth or something? Like? I, somehow somebody canceled, so they're oh. like, "Hey, here." Right. So, nice. And they're right next to us. So you'll we'll nice. be hanging out together. Double, double, double nice. Well, you'll have some genetics, yeah. Few, few. Maybe. Well, Adam yeah. Jocks, we're going to have a lot of Adam Jocks' uh, mm -hmm. genetics there mm -hmm. and my booth and it is. Um, we've got I some have stuff. a new, un new unreleased to the masses yet, our uh, head doctor and uh, old Dirty Diesel. Oh, Dirty very, Diesel. Very, very, Diesel. very special. Nice. Very Diesel, special. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, some of the new works. Sounds good. And uh, I got well, some, I a couple new things with me as well. So, oh. some Durban and Colombian red crosses. I want lamb's bread. I Colombian. want Uzbeki, <laughs> Afghan. Yeah. Uzbeki. Yeah. Uzbeki. <laughs> <laughs> I like the taste. Your right. son. Cool. I'm going to steal his chocolate licorice candies, man. Oh, uh, do you have the silver? Uh, uh, your wife balls, was gold yeah, balls. yeah, yeah. Your oh. wife was, was sweet enough to give those to us. They were awesome. That was a uh, straight from Sweden. Straight over. Just came yesterday. Nice. Right off the care plane. package. Lacrins. Uh, yeah. So he's a. Uh, somehow we convinced him that when he goes out for Halloween, that he gets to go out and get as much as he wants. But we're taking all the crap. And then we're going to trade him out for the good stuff. Sweet. That way he doesn't just go eat all that. But he's, you know, obviously right. knows where that's He's a five-year-old, right? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we don't, because, you know, he, there's just, there's some quality out there. A couple pieces here and there. But for the most part, we don't miss. So mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy will consume all that crap for you just to save you. Save you from. <laughs> from yourself. <laughs> from, from, your, the, from the evil, evil grown-ups. But it is kind of funny because when he sees, like, a Coca-Cola truck drive by, he goes, Ew. <laughs> Oh, yeah, good, good job. It's, like, <laughs> it's a bad truck. <laughs> I'm like, yes, bad truck. Bad. Evil. Um, so you guys will be hanging out and available the next couple of days here in Denver if anybody's around. Yep. And you'll be with setting up at the booth, talking yep. about something. What are you going to be talking about? Uh, pest control. Oh, you said pest control. Gardens, yeah. 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 But, you know, people can check out the website. Nice. Uh, it's uptowngirllab.net. Mm -hmm. um, check out the channel on YouTube. We have a lot of fun. Sweet, and you guys don't have no nothing going. Yeah, I, I decided not to do a workshop. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling round stress -free, tables and you know? talking with yeah, you yeah, at a yeah, table yeah. again yeah. on Sunday. I'm just kind of uh, yeah. The round table is going to be hot on Sunday. <clears throat> is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a rumor. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I Something. Know. I never know what we're doing. We just go. Yeah. We just go. go we, go. we go. We do. Yeah. Some adventure. Usually works out pretty good. Yeah. So uh, far. 
good. Interesting. And then uh, what time does that thing go to six or something like that? that it goes to yeah, five, five or six. Crown right Plaza, six. you said Crown Plaza downtown, or is it the one by, by the airport? airport? Airport, airport. That one over that little thingy. Yeah, chambers, thingy yeah. job. And actually, tomorrow there's an after party for people who have oh, the tickets for Halloween after party, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Can't with the uh, Halloween costume. I, guess. Costume. I, I got my costume today. Yeah. Uh-huh. I got a big old monkey head. Yeah, I forgot to think about like the reality costumes. I got my costume for my like. I always get with a kid. I always have to go for like a group. Your CC was telling us some amazing things about your costumes. Well, yeah. mine is even straight off the you know, just Amazon. <laughs> it give it to me. I'm not even going to think about it because I could have tried, but at the same time, it would have been a hell of a lot of work. Cost me a bunch of money and probably would have been fucking just as inconvenient it was, it for the three slim. hours that you wore it well he wants me to be Slimer right so uh, <laughs> I was like so all I did was like, I got a real Slimer suit but I got 12 cans of glow in the dark silver, uh, silly spray so I'm going to be like you were going to be slimed I'm going to be sliming him like a motherfucker so he's going to come <laughs> up to he's going to get the most slimed kid you've ever seen by the end of the night so. that's awesome so it'll be alright it'll be a lot so, of fun it'll be fun exactly most flammable, though. That's the only problem, too. Well, no, no, no sleep lighting. <laughs> that shit is bad news. So, um, well, don't cool. let them smoke any cigarettes or cigars while you're out getting yeah, right. Usually It'll not, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, you guys got to be here right through the Halloween kind of weekend-ish because yeah. next week it's, yep. Tuesday it's night. for the really lame people who, like, forgot that it's in the middle of the week. And then I have to go on... <laughs> well, Tuesday's cool because, I, I mean, the, the real days, I, I get to hang out with Nick and you know, that's, like, Right. I'm actually happy when it's not on a Saturday. Like, oh, yeah, Tuesday, perfect. Right. Go out. It's only that. It's yeah. boom, boom, boom. We're done. It's not like, now we're going to go to this bullshit. You know, so it's gonna be a good, I think it'll be a good year. Cool. Then I have to come up with something else. So I was already thinking, like, fuck, I can't go out of Slimer to, like, anything else. I'm going to be like, what are you supposed to be? I'm Slimer. It's like, my kid's <laughs> home. Nah, normally I got a kid, but he's shooting me and doing all this stuff. And right now I'm just, eh, you know, be all lame so <laughs> all right guys um well thank you for coming through and being Absolutely. the first ones in the new right. in the new place which is really close to my house oh who's this james 541 is it 541 i was supposed to give mosca a shout out oh yeah i was talking with him earlier welcome so, to welcome to the adam dunn show who we got there okay mosca is it Hey, it's Eric back. I just wanted to oh, say thanks. bye and thank you guys for having me before you wrapped up. I yeah. just wound up having to get on a call. No, that's cool. That's cool. I, I did notice you. We did actually. I, know, I was we talked, wondering. We were actually talking to you for like in a half hour. Like, so, Eric, right. what do you think? <laughs> no, I was on I know you were. Eric is so <laughs> quiet right now. No, it's cool. Uh, well, thanks for calling in, and that was good. Well, and anytime uh, something cool comes down oh, or you pleasure. guys want to jump on board and we love to do our uh, scientists versus. That's why Shane knows he, he when he brings when he brings science to the table. Right. Then it always works out good because then we, especially when they start shaking their heads and they don't want to, they, they don't agree. That's always the best. It's like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, non-agreeing no. scientists are pretty much our core. You know, and that's and no, Hope and I are on the same page. Actually, I, I, no, I you guys are good. Earlier, I'm, of I, I'm hoping she's going to come and speak at the Society for In Vitro Biology. I'm a convener. For mm-hmm. the society, so I, I like try. I'm the one who's getting like trying to get speakers Very for cool. their cannabis uh, session, and she's definitely high on the list. I'm excited for her to speak this year. Nice, um, nice, awesome. Well, thanks for calling in, yeah. and uh, thanks for listening to the show before. Obviously, yeah. uh, and oh, for sure. Can't I look forward to seeing you. And when are you going to be local again? Uh, Coming out here anytime soon? I might be out there and. 
I forget when the Cannabis Grand Crew in Aspen, I think. Oh, yeah? So they have to come. Well, you you probably have to fly through here unless you're on some little private jet, and then we know we will not not be seeing each other when you fly (laughs) straight to Aspen. Straight straight from Aspen, I'll see you waving to you. But yeah, if you come through Denver, definitely give me me a heads up and come on through the show. Oh, for sure. For sure. Very cool. All right. All right. Thanks, bro. Thanks, Thanks, Eric. See you, Eric. Yep, we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. So, all right. Thanks, guys, for coming to the show. Thanks, Eric, for calling in. Thanks, Hope and Ryan from C4 for dropping in. And the rest of the crew and Adam Jacques crew in the back there. And, uh, yeah. And then we got KTI and MTI. So dedicatedly here without two interns. Yeah. Two in this tiny space. That's like, if you go by space per intern, I'm doing really good. (laughs) (laughs) You're (laughs) killing the game. (laughs) I am am so killing the game right now. So intern game is tight. Yeah, you you start doing that and start looking at your facilities, you'll be like, damn, I need like 800 of them for (laughs) to beat up with Adam because he's in this tiny little space. But uh, well, no, thanks for coming through the first time. We'll get the sound in here to be perfect. I'm sure it was a little weird at first, but it sounds pretty good now. Hopefully it's it's good. Sounds good. Sounds good in my ears. Exactly. I don't know if that that means anything at all, but I hope it out there does. Uh, Tune in next week. I have no idea, but something cool, something's something's going down. Always something happening. If there's no nuclear war, we'll be here. If there is, fuck. It doesn't matter. Denver's getting hit first. You know that. Well, so. yeah, Colorado. It's always Denver. They always say Denver, too. It's yeah. like, we can hit Denver. You're like, why do you say that? Why don't you say we can hit, like, Wyoming or somewhere that's actually... They don't have NORAD. They, they don't have, have some the, things secretly. Secretly. I think if you're listening, that's where they're all at. Go there. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where we just say they're all here. There's nothing here. Don't be stupid. We wouldn't put them here. Yeah. Under all that rock. Yeah. That would be dumb. <laughs> you would never want to shoot into Hundreds a mountain. Hundreds of miles of train tracks. Yeah, no. No, Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Thanks, Adam. Practically every one of the top 40 records being played on every radio station in the United States is a communication to the children to take a trip, to cop out, to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own we don't want you to smoke genetically modified ganja. We want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana. Some call it sensimedia. Some call it lamb's bread. And some people call it...